and was only suitable for people aged 18 or over will almost certainly have an adult theme and might well contain sex or violence which are quite graphic. It may also contain explicit language, including sexual swear words. Thanks for listening. Uh, but here's what his revelation comes to him. He's kind of got all this stuff, like, uh, touching, wiping, mourning of the animals. Not wiping, whipping. whipping. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, not touch, also not touching. I am, I am dyslexic. I, I hope I'm not having like a stroke. Do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! And an atheist almost always become supporters of eugenics and abortion. A swine is hungry for nuts. Jesus hates them too. Satan is real. Being a Satanist is an open declaration of revolt against counterproductive received wisdom and mindless rogue traditions. Decapitate her head off. We're done. Done. We're done. Obama! Welcome to the Godless Revolution. I'm Dan. Hi, Dan. I'm Ryan. I'm Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Ryan. Hi, guys. Hi, Dan. So nice to see you guys. It's Wednesday again. Yes, it is Wednesday again. Or whatever day you listen to this on. It's or whatever day. day we record this on. We've, well, yeah. <laughs> it's Wednesday. <laughs> uh, anyway, tonight we're excited to have some members from Math. 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 Yeah, I'm really excited. They They recently set a record for the... Atheist and Humanist Service at Lackland Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. Um, Hemant Meta posted a blog post about it. That's what you do with blog posts, I guess. I guess you post, can post the blog them. posts. Or you I can don't just know, save them. Posting them. If you save them, for your blog. not as many people read them, but you can save them if you'd like. Hmm. Criminy. Can you print them? Yes. Okay. You can, after they're posted. Yeah. You can post the printed blog post, post posting. Yeah. If you just printed it, then it'd be a newsletter. Right. Yeah. Or emailed would be a news. We letter. should start a website yeah. of just blog posts that you can you can print off. Huh. <laughs> Printerist. <laughs> blog paper. <laughs> anyway, we'll have we'll have three members from them uh, from from Math joining us later. Uh, as I was saying, Hemant Meta uh, in February of this year posted that they had broken a record in attendance at Lackland Air Force Base for their atheist and secular humanist service out there. And I think at the time, they're, they're, when they broke the record, it was like 270 people, something like that. That's a good number. And since then, they've, they've come close to doubling that, if not more than double now. Uh, I spoke to, or I chatted with Vicky online earlier today, uh, Vicky Getman, and she said that, um, when I was initially put in contact with her, I was from Taylor Grin, who you've heard on the show before, and who you, Matt, and, I've, Ryan I've may remember him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he put Wait, me in. Who? <laughs> he put me in <laughs> yeah, contact I'm, with I'm him. Aware of um, and I think at the time he told me that they had broken a record and had 403 uh, participants in their in their service. And apparently, since then, it has just continued to grow. They had to recently separate it into two separate services because their numbers are growing so yeah. quickly and have gotten so large. So that's really exciting news. I I think that's awesome to hear. Um, but they will be joining us on the show in just a bit. First, though, we've got a couple news items that we can hit before we uh, give them a call and, and have them give join them. us. Um, one of the one of the things I wanted to talk about was Utah signing an anti-choice oh. law, mm. which is being mocked nationally. Yeah, this is this is our nowhere near esteemed governor Herbert. Yeah, recently signed into law a bill that will basic that that forces women who are seeking abortion. 
at 20 weeks and beyond, uh, they will be forcing these women to have anesthesia. And ostensibly, this law was put in place to reduce the pain or suffering of the fetus as it is being aborted. But that doesn't make any fucking sense at no. all because the the mother would be anesthetized, yes. not the baby. And you're forcing an unnecessary medical procedure on a woman when no, you know, when, when the, the for consensus. For no gain. Yeah, for, for yeah. no gain. And the consensus is that up until 24 weeks at the very earliest, uh, an embryo or fetus can't feel any pain. It doesn't have a central yeah, nervous system. Part it doesn't the, have. Well, it has the nervous system. It just doesn't have the part of the brain which then relays a signal from the nervous system. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's completely pointless. It, I mean, we have, we have the Utah, Utah legislature and our governor wasting taxpayer resources. That's on, all they ever do. On something that is yeah. completely fucking useless. Yeah. And all it would take is a simple, is a simple Google search to figure out what the fuck's happening. You'll do a little bit of research to find out what, at what stages the babies are in development at what point. But yet they don't bother to do any of that. Just sign it into law and move on. Well, and I think a large part of the problem is that they hear a bunch of right wing yeah. pundit yeah. idiots just making shit up on the spot. Yep. And then repeating it. And they get into this little echo chamber and they all go, oh, yeah, yeah, 20 weeks, the fetus can feel yeah. pain. We need to put a stop to that. How do well, we do that? Make doctor make anesthetic baby not feel yeah. heart. <laughs> and I tried to look it up and I couldn't find it. I don't know why I couldn't find it. I looked. I was trying to find at what stage in Utah are you? is it no longer allowed to have an elective abortion? I don't know. Because for some reason, because most states I thought was 20 weeks. I'd like to abort. I'd like to abort the governor. Honestly, well, uh, that's a little harder to do. I mean, <laughs> we got to make some new laws. I mean, to, for fifty years post. Yeah, but he's, he's. I mean, this isn't the first time that he's done something completely anti-science, oh yeah. based on nothing but his own personal religious convictions. Well, the reason why I was wanting to look it up because the bullshit thing about the whole thing is so prior to twenty weeks. You do not have to have any do not be anesthetized for an elective abortion. Post twenty weeks for an elective abortion, you have to be anesthetized. But if the mother is at risk during the pregnancy and she has to have it aborted or she could possibly lose her life, or if the baby's got complications, mm -hmm. it's not required. Hmm. That it's not required to have anesthesia if there are complications. It's or only potential complications. Or potential complications post twenty weeks. It's only required if you're having elective abortion after twenty weeks. Was that prior weeks. to this law? Mm. That's no, that's in this law. Uh, which is why I thought I'm like, okay, so after twenty weeks, if the doctor says, Hey, you're you have there's some horrible complications with your pregnancy right now, you know, you run the risk of not surviving this, we recommend you abort the pregnancy now or potentially lose your life. They can be like, Okay, we'll go through with the abortion so I don't die. You don't have to anesthetize her. Mm. But that goes contrary to the whole thing. Well, if it feels pain What's the difference if it's harming the mother or if it's an elective abortion if you want to cause less pain? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a bullshit excuse that, that they've come up with. It's only for people who do it on their own to choose, yeah. to yeah. elect to choose to have an abortion. Well, and it comes from echo chamber bullshit such as the August 12th edition of Fox News' O'Reilly Factor where a guest, uh, Fox guest Penny Young, Penny Young Nance said, we know that babies at 20 weeks in the womb can feel pain. Eric Bowling, dipshit extraordinaire, just said, oh, yeah, right. Then And then she said, we know that they can hear and respond to their mother's voices. This is science. Wake up. It's not science. 
And I fucking yeah. I th- nothing. Well, I say that shit too much. I I was gonna say nothing <laughs> pisses me off more than when religious people try to use science to back up. Oh yeah, their religious fucking ideas. That's not how this works. That's not how no, any of this works. No. Uh, it's kind of like a snake. You can chop a snake's head off, skin it, and gut it, and just have the meat of the snake there. It will still react. Mm-hmm. It's dead, but it's moving. Yeah, like a fetus in the belly. It moves. Mm-hmm. It might be like, oh, look, it's reacting to your 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 talking. Like, no, the thing moves. It it yeah. it moves. It's got motor nerves. Yeah, it doesn't just sit there like a a limp rag. It moves. It's moving around. Yeah, so, I mean, you've got right-wing pundits saying bullshit like that, and then you've got the Journal of the American Medical Association, which says that evidence regarding the capacity for fetal pain is limited, but indicates that fetal perception of pain is unlikely before the third trimester. Little or no evidence addresses the effectiveness of direct fetal anesthetic or analgesic techniques. Similarly, limited or no data exist on the safety of such techniques for pregnant women in the context of abortion. Mm. Anesthetic techniques currently used during fetal surgery are not directly applicable to abortion procedures. That's science. That's yeah. science. You run the risk of having a lot more complications during the procedure by having anesthesia involved. Well, that's what they get. Yeah. Then that's what they get. You've got more science in the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists who say that research shows that sensory structures are not developed or specialized enough to experience pain in a fetus less than 24 weeks. Hmm. That's anything less. So 24 weeks is the very earliest. That it could possibly. Yeah. You also have the Columbia University Medical Center, a professor who says that the fetus cannot feel pain until about 24 weeks from conception. In an August 7, 2013 Salon article, Dr. Ann Davis of Columbia University Medical Center and Physicians for Reproductive Health is quoted saying the fetuses are not able to feel pain until about 24 weeks from conception. Davis later added that concerns about fetal pain are, quote, created concerns. They are not based in science. They are based in politics. Hmm. Yeah. So you right-wingers, pull your heads out of your collective asses and stop saying that it's science when it's not. Well, they have no fucking idea what science even is. They just think they just think that's a cutesy little tagline they can use to emphasize their points. Well, to them, it's a four-letter word. Well, it, it fucking bothers me because unless they need it, unless they yeah. want to use it, then it's fine. Yeah. Well, and they reject science at nearly every other fucking turn. Right, yeah. They reject it out of hand when it when it comes to evolution, when it comes to climate change, yep. anything that disagrees with their own personal worldview, they'll reject it out of hand. But then they use it as a tool. To say that, oh, no, science totally supports yeah. me on this. Incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. They're using it wrong. Yeah. They're just taking the word and using it to emphasize their statement. They don't. They, they have no idea what the process is. They just say, blah, 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 science. That's yeah. science, And then bitches. everyone has to believe me. Yeah. And, and it's then bullshit. When us atheists read a Bible and read text, and like, that's not what it says. Yeah. Hmm. That's, not, that's not what it means. <laughs> so Governor Gary Herbert, once again, and I'm sure not for the last time, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You Super worthless you. piece of shit. I am so excited for the day when we will have a different governor, hopefully somebody who is not a religious ideologue. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a while. I don't know if we're going to be able to get him voted out. Go Mike Weinholz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good luck to you, sir. I am, mm-hmm. I am glad that you're out there and speaking your mind and are getting a lot of support and that I have some friends who are working on your campaign. <laughs> yeah. Who are awesome people. Indeed. Uh, we got one other story probably that we could cover, maybe one or two before we get on the line with people from math. Uh, we have a, we have a selection here. Ooh, oh, yeah. You know what I want to do? I want to do Andrea Mitchell ripping oh, on yeah. Donald yeah. Trump. Let's do it. 
because I watched this on Meet the Press on Sunday. As you guys know, I watch my Sunday news programs. Yep, yep. And as soon as I saw her say this, I was like, oh, this is going to be all over the place. People will be talking about this. So I posted it out on Facebook. Um, there was a little, little clip from uh, Meet the Press in the morning. And I'm just going to go ahead and play yeah. that now and we can talk about it. Uh Obviously a bizarre week, uh, Andrea, in so many ways. But I want to uh, go, because what I think could have been the story of the week was this unbelievable editorial board interview that Donald Trump did with the Washington Post. Let me play a longer excerpt of it and get you to respond. If you could uh, substantially reduce the risk of harm to ground troops, would you use a battlefield nuclear weapon to take out ISIS? I, I don't want to use, I don't want to start the process of nuclear Remember, one thing that everybody has said, I'm a counterpuncher. Rubio hit me. Bush hit me. When I said low energy, he's a low energy individual. He hit me first. Spent, by the way, spent $18 million worth of negative ads on me. That's pitting, that's pitting. No, but this was about ISIS. You would not by use way, a tactical I do one nuclear thing? weapon against this, ISIS. This is a very good looking group of people. Could, could I just go around and, so I know who the hell I'm talking sure, about? By the way. So he doesn't answer the fucking question. No. He he totally dodges the question, and Chuck Todd is going to address that. Just so folks know, and when he excerpted this, so then everybody around the room introduced themselves. Subject got changed. Exactly. I mean, he cannot stick to a subject. It is remarkable. And when he doesn't know something, he just changes the subject, makes it all about himself. national security, it's a very noticeable, especially to your ears and mine. Absolutely. And this was a week where he could have gone after President Obama, arguably. Mm. There's a lot happening, and the president has some vulnerabilities. So does Hillary Clinton. But instead, he's all over the lot. And then the New York Times, David Sanger and Maggie Haberman, do an interview with him, a 90-minute interview, and it's in today's paper and online. And the transcript, if you read the transcript online, he would cancel defense treaties with Japan and South Korea against mm -hmm. North Korea. He doesn't Wait. mind. He it's, it's fucking disturbing. I actually went out and read the transcript. It's What he wants to do is crazy. He's He doesn't know what the fuck he's no, talking no. about. He is so far in over his head. Like, he has absolutely no fucking idea about anything outside of... I would say probably the United States as far as foreign policy goes. He's he's completely fucking yeah. clueless. It would be okay if Japan and South Korea go nuclear. American policy right. for decades since World War II has been trying to keep nukes out of that, that arena. He would stop importing oil from yeah. Saudi Arabia if they don't pay more for their defense. We need oil. We are not in right. energy independent. We rely on oil still. Sure. Uh, daily needs. He is completely all over the lot. On Iran, he he believes, he complained that Iran isn't buying our planes. It had to be pointed out to him that Iran is still under sanctions and cannot buy American planes. <laughs> right? That's fucking ridiculous. Wow. I, I want to sell the F-35 to Iran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I would imagine that if we were actually selling planes to Iran, he would be complaining about that. Yes. Oh, probably. He thinks North Korea and Iran are the biggest trading partners when North Korea's biggest trading partner is China. He is completely uneducated about any part of the world. And Katie, it is clear. Look, you cover this campaign. Completely uneducated yeah. about any part of the world. I mean, that's what I, happens I would when say he finally in, talks about I would the say including the United States. Yeah. He's I, – I, I can't – I can't understand, I can't grasp other than his appeal to religious bigots – to racial bigots, to 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 the lower, the baser elements of our society. I can't understand why he has 
any appeal to anybody other than those things. Oh, well, that's what that's what it is. That's and his, it's his and his it's disheartening phrases. that that he the, those are the only things that would appeal to to people really when you when you yeah. take a broader yeah. look at him and to see that he's leading. Right. That's that's for one of the highest positions in the world. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. it's shocking. It's soul crushing. It's depressing. It's sad. It's. I don't even have the words. I have no words. <laughs> this, I, I've got no words for this. And I have a lot of words. I just don't have any words for this. It's 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 so fucking disturbing to me that I could understand that he would appeal to those people, right? But I would hope that if those are the only people he's appealing to, that he would be at the bottom of it. Yeah, he would be polling yeah. at like two. Yeah. Well, Not that he would be leading in the primary the race entire for, time. for president of the United States. There, there was an article that came out recently with a staffer of his that left the that left because she realized, holy shit, this is a clusterfuck, and broke the silence on some things, basically saying Donald didn't intend to actually go all the way to the become president. He wanted to do the like he did last time again, go out there and show, hey, I could run for president if I want to. I have the means to do it. Then he picked up steam and was like, holy shit. Well, let's take it further. Now I can be president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically an ego thing. Yeah, I, I, when he started out, I figured that he didn't really want the position. I thought it'd be like last time. I thought, it, I thought it was a promotional stunt, right? It was, it was to get more ratings for his shows, to get more notoriety, more celebrity, to basically just increase people talking about him. And I think that's what he started out as. And then he realized that hey, he could possibly win. He lost control of it. <sighs> I don't, I don't know. It's, I don't even know what to say about it anymore. It's just, it makes me sick. It makes it's, me sick that so many people in the United States find that so appealing. Yeah. He's gone Hitler-esque. Mm. Not totally like Hitler. Not totally, yeah, not totally like Hitler. He's not as smart. He's just in the same realm, I would say, with the way he can talk and convince people of stuff, even though they don't know what he's fucking saying. So the one thing after, after thinking about this for the last week, or since Sunday, anyway. And, you know, reading all of these different things. I mean, he came out, what was that, yesterday mm-hmm. during the town hall and said that women who have abortions should be well, punished. Yeah. Yeah. In some way. All, I mean, all of this shit, I I, I just happened to stumble onto a, a story about Keith Olbermann, who you guys know I mm-hmm. have a total man crush on. I fucking love that guy. <laughs> I miss... Watching him on Countdown on MSNBC, he's on I miss watching list. him on Current. He's yeah, he's I fucking love Keith Olbermann. I told you guys earlier that in watching his shows for so many years and watching Countdown and and Current and and reading a bunch of his stuff, uh, he's he is who solidified most of my, oh, most of my uh, political political views, mm-hmm. and I think he's brilliant. But I saw that he had recently appeared on The View and explained. Why Dino? Why why Dino? Why Dino Trumpus? Dino Trumpus. <laughs> why Donald Trumpus for your health is not going to ever win the presidency? Yeah. You wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post entitled "I Can't Stand to Live in a Trump Building Anymore." Yes. Tell us why. <laughs> First up, if anybody's looking for an apartment in New York City, I can help you out with a good lead. <laughs> Uh, but secondly, I just, I ran out of, uh, I couldn't go under the sign anymore that said Trump Palace without spitting because I just, it's, 
and I ran out of spit. And I just, I just couldn't do it anymore because it, the, the premise of the campaign, I don't think he has a reasonable chance of getting elected. And I don't, at this point, from what I'm hearing, I don't think he's even going to get the nomination because I think the Republican Party is going to say, everybody in the Republican Party who runs it goes, if he wins, we all lose our jobs. If he loses, we all lose our jobs. <laughs> He's probably not going to win. Let's make sure he doesn't lose. We're going to lose the party to him one way or the other. Uh-huh. Everybody in the Republican Party has, in the establishment, has a self-interest in keeping him away because he could bring down congressional results. And yeah, but he says yeah, there's going to be riots at the convention if something like that happens. Yes. He's threatening that. it's the well, will of the people, isn't it? But look, at, to be fair... Who are the people who are supporting him, generally speaking? <laughs> I've been trying to figure that out. Well, but what I'm saying is <laughs> we all are mostly people who can't, who can't really be trusted to find their own homes again once they leave. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Very smart. And he says he's going he's to vote for you. Kate, let me ask you about the Republican Party. I'm yeah. a right-winger over here, so I'm always interested. So we're on the same side. No, always he's agree. He's a unifier. You know? He is a unifier. <laughs> when we talk about a contested convention, yeah. my question is, what do Republicans do at that point? Do you think someone new pops up, like a Paul Ryan? Do you think they pull from the Ted? Does Ted Cruz rise up as the hero? What happens well, yeah, I mean, it, first off, it, it it would be really good television because we used to have contested conventions every year or every four years, every one of them, and they were great fun to watch. And, and there was a consensus <laughs> built in the convention and the smoke back, uh, the back rooms filled with smoke and people deciding who was going to vote for whom. But there, the one thing I would compliment the Republican Party on in the last 25 years is what they've been really good at is altering votes. In other words, redistricting so Democrats don't <laughs> but, get yeah, But yeah, but it's underhanded. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. gerrymandering. It's really yeah. outrageous. And, it is. I mean, in a broad sense, I don't think this is what decided the election, but there was Bush v. Gore, and they sort of worked out for the Republican. This is what they do. <laughs> They're really good at preventing things from happening that should otherwise happen. And yeah. this is the Republican, this is their own house. This isn't some governmental agency. They yeah. can do what they want. They can change the rules. And the first thing, as Joyce pointed out many times, the first thing you do at a convention is say we're going to have a whole bunch of votes on adopting rules. And they could, whatever, the, whatever rule they need to make to make sure he doesn't get the nomination. Do you see a hero, though, rising up? Does, 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 is, it, is it from the existing pool? Does There's someone no hero. pop out There's no hero. to save the party? I mean, well, how? But, but if I, when I heard that earlier, I had Bonnie Tyler's song running through my head all fucking day that they need a hero yeah. Yeah. in the Republican Party. If there had been one, Trump wouldn't be the front runner. And they would exactly. already be leading. This, this is the problem, and I'm speaking, leave out, leave out all party affiliation. Yeah. You would just, you'd say, well, if there had, if one of these guys had stepped up, if Rubio had been who they thought he was going to yep. be, if Ben Carson, who was here last yesterday, had been what they thought he was going to be, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So, yeah. no, they have to go back and grow a new so one. So, Hillary, <laughs> Hillary <laughs> Trump is a landslide for Hillary, in your opinion? Uh, Real quickly, i got to go. All right. So, right now, right now, if you give him, if you give Trump all the Republican support he would get from Kasich dropping out. Yeah. Like 50, he'd be at like 48% of Republicans. That's not enough. That's 19 or 20% of the general public. No. It could be the worst landslide ever, but the problem, Joy, is the hate that comes out between now and the election if he's the nominee does as much damage to the country as him being president. Well, maybe Hillary needs to take the high road so that she doesn't exacerbate it. Anyway, what does that mean? It's it's so lovely to have you here. I hope you get another show where you can spew your stuff. I'm coming out of retirement, so anybody who wants to. Very good. And that part made me fucking cheer in my in my office chair earlier today when i heard that that he's coming out of retirement somebody call him and give him a job please please someone call keith olbermann and give him a job i'll i'll give him i'll 
He can come on our show. I'll pay him pizza and some beer. pizza and beer to come and fucking rant and rave on our show with us. Or rant and rave. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was very, very excited when I heard him say that he's coming out of retirement. I hope he gets a good uh, a show going very, very soon and is able to do his worst persons in the world, his countdown, his special comments. They were all – I missed them so much. I After I watched this, I went out and watched – I don't know, probably an hour's worth of different clips of him well, doing hmm. worst person in the world and his special comments. His, his special comment on, it's like eight years of Bush's presidency in eight minutes. Nice. Fucking devastating. I, 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 we should go through that sometime on the show because it was just, it was amazing just outlining everything that he had fucked up. Well, the cool hmm. thing is, is he could have his own online network show if he wanted to now. Uh huh. He could. Sure. He could. I mean, he with you know, sponsors he, and he went from MSNBC to Current, and then back to ESPN for a little while, and left ESPN last year. Well, the the thing about recently? being online though is he gets free to push whatever content he wants and say what he wants about it. Versus being on a network, you kind of got to toe the line a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I meant to tweet at him earlier today and got busy with work and wasn't able to. But man, I would fucking love for him to get another show. I fucking I I adore that man. Um, yes, anyway, do. let's, uh, take a quick break here. When we come back on the other side, we will be, we will have the members of MAF to talk about the fantastic things that they are doing. Be back. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Kids, Homer, we're late for church. I'm glad I dressed last night. Oh, I'd love to go with you, honey, but I got a lot of work to do around the bed. Homer. The Lord only asks for an hour a week. In that case, you should have made the week an hour longer. Lousy God. <laughs> Welcome back to the Godless Revolution. On the line with us via Google Hangouts, we are joined by Scott Smith, Rebecca McGraw, and Vicki Getman. Names in no particular order. They're just as I'm reading them in my Facebook chat to make sure that I had them all correct. <laughs> How are you all doing? Good, you? We're doing very well. Thank you for asking. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're super formal. <laughs> Am I? Am I, I super been... formal? <laughs> More I than just... usual, yeah. I don't mean to be. How the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was put in contact with Vicky through Taylor Grin, who said that it you know you guys had recently set some records with the uh, atheist and humanist services there at Lackland, and that it would be probably a really good idea to have you guys on the show. I went out and did a little more research earlier today and saw that uh, earlier this year, I think it was just in February, that Hemant had posted out on the Friendly Atheist blog that you guys had recently broken a record. And I think at the time, at the time he posted his blog, there were two hundred fives or people, two hundred seven people, something like that. Two hundred seventy. That's right. Two hundred and seventy people in attendance. What's attendance like now? So we're getting a little, uh, a little more than three hundred and fifty is a roughly where we're at right now. But shortly after that, uh, we had a record of 403. So just after the 270, uh, we had 403 attend. Wow. I'm guessing a lot of that had to do with the exposure that the, that the article gave to the service and everything. Um, actually I don't think so because the basic trainees don't get that information. Oh really? Yeah. You know, there's no, they're locked in basic training. They are completely in captivity away from the outside world. Oh, so tell us all a little bit about what you guys do. I don't know who wants to field this question, but you've got the atheist and secular services there at Lackland. What what exactly happens at these services? Well, 
the, the reason that we're on the show is because we are the only atheist or humanist service in any military basic training that here in the United States. Uh, there's one kind of sputtering around the Navy basic training in Great Lakes, but it's not kicking off as well as ours has been doing for the past two and a half years. So with that, we are able to, the basic trainees have uh, basically two options before we were there, and that was to clean the dorms or to go to church. And so some people would just go to church to get away from the drill instructors, which they call MTIs. Um, and so some people would stay back and have to clean the dorms. So we provide a third option, which is a Socratic style discussion on different topics. They have eight weeks of basic training. So we have eight different topics. Nice. Hmm. Oh, awesome. So that seems really unfair that you can either go to church or you can clean stuff. I mean, that kind of makes church the de facto choice of just about anybody, right? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so did you all go through this program? Uh, when uh, I went through basic I mean, training 20 years ago, we didn't have anything. We I just went to church. Rather than clean, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> and and how about you, Rebecca? So when I went through basic training, I was uh, I still consider myself religious, but I was Protestant. So my form of rebellion was to go to the Catholic service. Uh, so I did. But at the time, it was pretty much you stay home or in the dorm and clean. Now, some... Some MTIs, military training instructors, uh, instructors, excuse me, they do give their dorm rooms kind of some lenience, like they'll kind of leave you alone, let you write letters or whatever. Um, so it is remarkable to me that trainees kind of have that option now and will still come to our service. That they'll come to your service rather than sit in their dorms? They, and Yeah. So in, in some cases, they're stuck clean the dorms or at least at risk to have to do another chore. Um but sometimes there is a little bit more leniency. So for those flights that are fortunate enough to kind of have that break, it's great that they, they still come and see us. So if they're cut off from the outside world, they don't have access to the internet or anything, how do they find out about your service? So word of mouth uh, from wingmen is the primary uh, communication that they get. When you first attend basic training, um, you have to get all these briefings and orientation briefings and, and everything. So you know kind of what's going on. But one of the first briefings that you get is religious services. So it tells you what your options are. The chaplains, since we're not considered part of the chaplaincy, they won't mention us. So trainees who have heard about us from podcasts or Reddit or uh, some other form, they know to ask and they will ask. And if a trainee asks, they will tell us, tell the trainees. Those were things they heard before they went to basic training. Mm -hmm. So yep. before they go into the captivity because we've been around for two and a half years, sometimes they'll hear about us on a, on a social media, um, and then they know to ask for it when they go to basic training. But they also, inside the dorms, have little common areas where they also have um, a bulletin board. And so for the longest time, we only had about a three-by-five size card that said Atheist Humanist Service, the building location, and the time. And it was away from where the religious services were posted. So a lot of times it wasn't even seen. Now we have... Uh, according to the trainees and what we've been told, because we're not allowed in those areas, uh, that it's a full size page with a map on it and that it gives them more information. And so when those were put up with the map and um, in a larger area, then we had an increase on uh, our training attendance. So I was I was actually in the Air Force and I can remember at Lackland, all the church services happened in one area. Like there's that big chapel building we all would you know march there in the morning uh so are they actually having you guys in a separate area of the base or are you guys allowed to actually use a room in that facility 
Well, when we started, uh, we were in a reception hall. So it wasn't even a church necessarily. It was just a reception center. And so different rooms were using and providing different services. The Catholic service was downstairs. Buddhist service was upstairs. We were in a small lobby uh, with like two couches when we first started. Um, when we outgrew that space, we were moved downstairs behind the Catholics. They had like a stage area. And so they pulled the curtain and we were behind the stage area um, as if we were preparing to put on a play. <laughs> um, for the Catholics, apparently. Um, and so when we outgrew that space, then we were moved to a completely separate space um, that is more the community center. It's called Arnold Hall. Um, and so, uh, but in that case, we have to bring out all 400 chairs uh, before we can have our service and make sure that we clean up those 400 chairs for the space we use for something else. Wow. So you have to you have to set everything up. I mean, you don't have like a, designated or reserved space do all of the other uh religious organizations have somewhere is there one i don't know churchy building where everybody who is a religious organization uses the same facilities or do they all have their own separate facilities based on their denomination or theological bent the smaller services like the smaller um i guess you could say religious minorities they are spread out a little bit from what i understand but again, you know, we're, we're volunteers. We're not part of the chaplaincy. We're not part of the BMT chain of command. And I should take this moment to mention that although I am active duty and I am an NCO and I am in the Air Force, I'm very proud of that. In no way does anything I say here, um, it, is it intended to speak for the Air Force mm -hmm. at large or the chaplains or the chain of command or anything like that? I'm speaking just as Rebecca as a volunteer for this organization that uh, Vicki leads. That was a good disclaimer. Yeah. And that goes for anybody <laughs> that's ever Thanks. on our show. I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a question for Scott, if I could. I just, you've kind of been in or around the military the longest. Um, have you noticed any trend uh, moving away from religion, or is it just been something that's been kept so hidden that it's even kind of impossible to even tell? It's really hard to tell because, for the most part, you, you don't want to be out of it because chances are your chain of command uh, is religious. So you just yeah. do the math and if it's up to them, uh, if you get promoted, you probably don't want them to know uh, with the Navy and air force, you have to volunteer somewhere. If you ever want to get promoted, it's a block on the evaluation. So you could volunteer with something like this or through other secular volunteers, but if it's listed that you're volunteering with an atheist organization, it's going to be very negative. There's some ways to get around that. And sometimes there's no way to get around that. And it really uh, affects the way people volunteer. Hmm. So for the most part, there, there are certainly atheists and foxholes, but it, it's really hard to, to shake them out and get them to admit that. I see. Well, yeah, they're all afraid of the negative repercussions of coming mm -hmm. out, right? Yeah. Uh have you guys received much pushback at all from this, from the other religious organizations or from the training instructors or just from the military in general? We haven't. We have little nuances that happen where a chaplain might say that, that we're at the wrong time. So a trainee will ask a chaplain, well, I want to go to the Atheist Humanist Service. And they will say, oh, well, that, that's not happening anymore. Or they may give them the wrong time or the wrong location. Um, clearly by accident, but they're still yeah, yeah. somehow putting out um, misinformation. And so we have those nuances that occur sometimes. When we first started, we were, like I said, in that little lobby. And the reason that we started was because of Taylor Grin. He was there in basic training. And so he decided he needed humanist support. 
And he anticipated that. So he contacted us before he left for basic training. And that way we were there to be able to communicate with the chain of command, say, we know our trainees there now and we want to help him. And so for three weeks of basic training, he had to fight. It was him fighting for that. And so once he finally got approval and I was, I assigned on to say, Hey, I'll go down there and meet with him. We were able to set up. So in that kind of way, there was some pushback because they kept saying, Oh, we don't have space for that. Or they had different reasons why they didn't want to get it started. But once it was started, they didn't expect it to last very long either. And that's when word of mouth was critical because we didn't really have advertising at all for it then. And so Taylor showed up with seven friends and then it kind of just grew from there slowly to, you know, 20, 30 slowly until we get up to where we are. That's awesome. Every week, every, every week, um, I ask people to raise their hands if they're there for the first time. And my follow-up question is, how did you hear about us? Mm-hmm. And the trainees almost never say anything aside from a wingman or word of mouth. Hmm. Yeah. That, that Taylor is a pretty good guy. We've had him on the show twice. Twice. Now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like him quite a bit. Another Utah native. <laughs> I'm glad he put us in touch with you guys. So how long has this been going on again? This uh, Two and a half years. We started in July, 2013. And you had mentioned that there are, that the people are there for eight weeks. And so you have eight different lessons or discussions. What are the topics for those discussions? Well, we start, we, it's hard to say where we start, but we have, um, you want to, you have them there? Rebecca? I, I do. Um, so depending on what week of training you start, you know, it, you could be jumping into any of these lessons. So there isn't actually a particular order, but, uh, humanism. So we talk about like intro to humanism. What's the concept? What does that mean? And, uh, also what does it look like in your community? So what is, what does a humanist look like? What, what would they be doing? Uh, so we, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about volunteering and that sort of thing. Um, we also discuss logical fallacies. So we talk about the different types and also try to come up with kind of funny examples. Um, the trainees will often relate the examples to basic training, and then it, it becomes like a joke fest about their MTIs, which is <laughs> always fun. Uh, the slippery slope is a very, a very popular one. You know, mm-hmm. if you didn't roll your socks right, how come I don't know you're not going to kill an airman on blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> that one's fun. Uh, we also talk about debt, which sounds like it shouldn't be fun, but we, we find ways. Um, grief and stress. And for that one right now, we actually have um, clinical psychologist residents come in to kind of right. offer their perspective, which is kind of neat. Um, separation of church and state. Uh, coming out. So we talk about coming out as atheists, but we'll also say, you know, maybe you're you're not actually atheist. You consider yourself Buddhist or, or something else, but you have a very religious family or, you know, you were raised Catholic and you consider yourself Protestant now. So that, that can be a difficult conversation. Mm. Um, and the LGBT uh, trainees will also talk about their experiences there too, as well. Um, we also talk about morals and morality. And then uh, we talk about the uh, Pew Research and the rise of the nuns or the unaffiliated. Interesting. Those are all super relevant, I would say. I, I I think the one that stood out to me out of all those was death because all the other groups are just not dealing with that at all, right? They're they're pretending it doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. So it's interesting that you guys are taking that angle. I think that's important. Especially depending on what you get into in the military, too. You might have to deal with death quite a bit. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and there's no, a lot of trainees yeah, that experience death while in basic training, Yeah, whether they left a sick relative and that sick relative passes or, you know, something out of the ordinary happens. Um, there's even trainees sometimes that have some kind of issue that's unknown and they pass while they're in basic training. And so we, we're saying, how do we deal with that? And, and there are some atheist humanist trainees 
that run the gamut on their beliefs. So some of them still believe in a heaven or some of them still believe in some sort of afterlife. And so we just kind of discuss, we don't put anybody down. Everybody's there to share their ideas. It's pretty interfaith. So there's different people um, from whatever we've had pagans, Satanists, um, different uh, Native American religions that just share their ideas on how they're dealing with that other than prayer. Like, what do you do? How do you process that other than falling back on prayer and defaulting to heaven or hell? Hmm. Now, and that this last uh, this last time we did death, we actually uh, talked about what to do with your body after you die. Oh. So I found this like really cool video of all these different things you can do that don't involve, you know, burying your body, like having your family pay thousands of dollars for a funeral and yeah. burying your body. And then someone has to like water the grass at these giant cemeteries. Like maybe that's something you uh, you don't think is right or you don't want to do. Uh, so you can have your body uh, shot into space yeah. or turned into a diamond or a tree. Or you can uh, turn it into powder and put it in a bullet. Uh, you can oh, be uh, donated to science. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think we talked about this last week because I said I always wanted, if, when I die, I want my bi- my body thrown on a giant Viking funeral pyre and to have a giant party. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can yeah. also be, you can also be a crash dummy. Really? Is that real? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yes. man. I did not know that. Like for cars, for for what types yeah, of crashes? It's, it's cheaper to use a body than an actual crash dummy. Oh, I know. Wow, that's we'll, kind of morbid. We'll put we'll put Ryan <laughs> Who on the. Who that up? That's what yeah. I want to. <laughs> we'll put Ryan on the pyre, and then we'll take his ashes and put them in my skull, and then I'll be the dummy in the car. So when I get in an accident, just you, me, you, it's, me, and you con- blow it's, up it's everywhere. Confetti. <laughs> no, that sounds amazing. <laughs> As long as you have a plan, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of our listeners uh, had posted a comment on uh, out on our page saying that she had a great idea for Ryan's oh. funeral pyre that oh. the body should be filled with popcorn and fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I like that it. was a fantastic idea. <laughs> so what are you guys' faith histories? Were you all raised religious? Let's start with uh, you, Scott. I was raised religious, uh, Southern Baptist. Um, you know, they believe you can't get into heaven without a covered dish. And, um, I, I was oh, oh, without a covered dish. What's I, that? Oh, that, that's, their, that's their church doctrine. Um, this I, is unfamiliar. I'm to guessing me. a casserole. <laughs> you have to, you have well, to bring they, a casserole. They have, so, they have so many social gatherings where you have to bring food. Oh, and it's, it's a way to get people out. Oh, uh, okay. I, yeah, I, I wasn't quite sure what that was. I'm, you know, Matt's background and my background are are both Mormon, and so when I hear dish, I think tight like a dish. Yeah, there's all kinds of weird shit, so I had no idea. When you said that, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I wasn't sure what you were talking about. So what what was it that that led you away from religion? Or, or well, first, how long have you been out of religion? I've been an atheist for seven years. Um, I was kicked out of Sunday school for asking too many questions around age 10. And I was not the annoying kid, and I certainly wasn't a genius kid by any means. And I just decided I probably shouldn't go back to Sunday school, and that started uh, my questioning of my faith. Um, if the Sunday school teacher couldn't answer questions, but my school teachers could, uh, that was my first clue. Wow. And I read the Bible from cover to cover when I was in college, and I just felt like I discovered something that's never been discovered before because, hey, the preacher's not talking about this in the sermons. So I still believe because it was Kentucky, it was the 70s and 80s, and no one would dare say that they questioned his faith. So 
about seven years ago, luckily, my wife and I arrived at the same conclusion that uh, we're actually atheists. And we started getting on board and started to be more activists than just passive. Very cool. So, okay, let's uh, let's move to you, Vicky. Were you have you always been atheist, or were you raised religious? No, I was raised part time Catholic. We just really did Christmas and Easter, and then kind of hit the sacraments. So we have like baptism and you know confirmation, or actually a first communion and confirmation. Um, so my parents felt like as long as we were Christmas and Easter and hitting those sacraments, that we were as good a Catholic as we could be. Um, <laughs> and so that didn't make sense to me because church all the time. But apparently it was important that we do it. Um, and so when I was in my confirmation class, I was about 15 or 16. And that's when I started asking them and, uh, questions. And all they really gave me was Pascal's wager. Um, and so that was just frustrating. So I started reading a bunch of stuff. I tried on some religions too. Um, the I already forgot what it was now, but they were more like a cult. Um, <laughs> Mormonism. So they asked me, like, what kind yeah, of music Mormonism. you listen to? And I said, oh, I listen to Green Day. And they said, oh, well, there's a Christian version of that band. Have you heard of this band? You should really, the church would really prefer that you listen to the Christian version of that kind of music instead of Green Day. You Sounds know? And, like a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And they would also pray out loud to themselves and walk in circles in the rooms and things. And um, so it was a New Testament church is what it was. Mm. Um so when I joined the military and then I met my husband and we were going to get married, my parents wanted us to have a big Catholic wedding, but I was in Hawaii and I wanted to get married at a waterfall. <laughs> and so the priest was like, we're not going to a waterfall. So I said, not a problem. Uh, we'll just be non-denominational non then. And then I had my daughter and my mom was very big on doing the first communion. Uh, we had the kids all, I have five kids. We had four of them baptized at my husband's little Lutheran church. Cause he's from a very small town and he wanted to like log the family in that church. Um, so then when my daughter was six and we're trying to make her first communion to humor my mom, I would drop her off and then I would wait outside the church. And they gave me this little book, the Catholic parents hand guide. And I really, I read it and I just disagreed with so much of it that, um, you know, I, I disagreed with teaching your children abstinence. I disagreed with keeping them away from the idea of birth control. I disagreed with so many other things that I pulled her out of the the um, first communion class. And then I just continued to read as much as I could get my hands on. And so I labeled myself an atheist uh, in 2008. And I had gone to a military training to become an equal opportunity advisor or actually a leader, just to be clarifying. Those are two different things in the military. So an equal opportunity leader. And one of the things was you had to put out all of your business to everyone. So that way you could empty kind of your closet. They were saying in case anybody had an issue. And so we had to stand up in front of each other and identify what our thoughts were on religion, you know, what our birthday was, you know, all these kinds of things. So that was the first time I ever told anyone that I, that I was an atheist. Oh, wow. Do they ask so you about I, politics at the, at the time as well? Um, were they asking politics? Yeah. I, you know, I, there was about 15 questions and we had to present it on, on kind of like a board. And I, I really don't remember politics being on there. It was kind of like, what are your hopes and dreams? And how do you, you know, um, what religion are you? I, I can't even remember all of them, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but I just remember when I was presenting that feeling like they were going to attack me or something. I don't know. I felt really scared. That was the first time I ever said I'm an atheist out loud. And then turns out there were two other people that followed me that said agnostic. Huh. So it kind of, I don't know if they would have said it had I not said it, whatever, maybe they would have. If they said um, agnostic, I'm going to doubt it. 
Um, and so the, the big deal that the really big turning point for me was, um, I, I wound up being stationed here in Texas. I was stationed in Maryland when all that happened. I, I moved here to Texas and we were teaching trainees that came straight out of basic training. They came to us to learn their job. And so all of a sudden there was this critical mission that we had to, te- we had to give them suicide prevention training that became the number one mission for the, for the army at that point. So we rushed them all to this theater within a couple of days and there were 800 trainees, um, students in the theater. And we went through this great suicide prevention training. Then we have master resiliency training where they teach you, you know, coping skills and all those kinds of things. Great. The last 10 minutes, they brought a chaplain in and the cha- I was like, okay, well, I'll give the chaplain some time. Maybe he'll just say, you know, I'm the chaplain. This is what I offer. This is where you can find me. Uh, but he didn't, he turned the lights off. He passed out light up candles that were lit by batteries and he prayed to his heavenly father and he went on and on for about those 10 minutes. And so I removed myself from the situation and I was just really ticked off about it. And then it occurred to me that it was Yom Kippur and that I had two Jewish students that were in there that had been denied leave for their holy day. And now they're being forced to listen to a Christian prayer. Mm. And so I wound up filing a, a complaint and then Mikey Weinstein got involved and he started helping me with different things. Uh, took it all the way as far as I could on the military side. Ultimately, of course, it was unfounded. Um, out of the, there was actually 1,600 uh, students that it it applied to because there were two days. There's 800 each day, um, and they only interviewed 25 people. And so the 25 people uh, sided with them. Yeah, so geez. with that, my name was all over. Um, yeah. Staff Sergeant Victoria Getman, atheist, Army, everywhere, uh, especially <laughs> here in San Antonio. I, I, I remember hearing about connected. that. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Oh, I said I can remember hearing about that. I can remember reading about that in uh, some blogs and stuff. Or I remember when that happened. Oh, really? When, when you said turn the lights out and had the the lit up battery candles, I'm like I remember that. I can remember yeah. that. Yeah, it was a pretty crazy time. Um, so that was September of 2012. And so Jason Torpy from the Military Association of Atheists and Freethinkers reached out to me. I, I was part of his group. Um, and so he was. He said, "Hey, do you want to be the point of contact for San Antonio?" I'm like, "Why not? My name's already." mud down here so it doesn't matter if I'm out now <laughs> and um it kind of went from there and so it was because of that connection that when Taylor Grin reached out for someone to be here in San Antonio for him that Jay that Jason Torpy immediately reached out to me because of just all of that I had just gone through that uh, previous fall and so with that we, we were able to kind of just go and start the Lackland meeting that's awesome. So yeah. how so how does something like that get started? I'm sure you had to speak to somebody in your chain of command to say, uh, so I want to set up an atheist meeting instead of having to go to church or clean toilets. How do we get that going? Yeah, that's I mean, that was on Taylor's side of it. So Taylor had to do all of that and say uh, he, he was asking for humanist support because that's more of a philosophy of living life. And so humanist support makes sense. Atheist is just an answer to a question, right? Do you believe in deities? Yes or no. Right. Humanism is more a philosophy to live your life and get support through. So <clears throat> that's what he was pushing for to get that support. And so once his chain of command approved it, it took one commander to say, I want all of my trainees to have equal support while in basic training. And I want all of them to have the same ability to be successful. And so with that one commander taking um, all of this onto himself, it's called command sponsorship. So he command sponsored me to come on to Lackland and hold a meeting with Taylor Grin um, just to get that initial thing started. So I was only supposed to be there for five weeks. That was all Taylor Grin had left for his uh, basic training. But like I said, it kept growing and people kept showing up. So as long as they showed up, I showed up. 
uh, there were three other people that helped me start it up. I didn't do it by myself. And, and so I was the one that was just consistently there. Uh, those other three rotated through. And it just took that dedication of constantly being there and the trainees keep coming that we were able to let it grow. That's fantastic. Yeah. So who was the command sponsor or would he or she prefer to remain nameless? Yeah, they prefer to remain nameless at this point. Well, whoever it was, thank you very much for doing that. <laughs> that's that's awesome. And, you uh, know, when you're in basic training, you don't rock the boat. You don't even make yeah. eye contact with anybody. And here this trainee comes along and he's really kind of insisting on his own Sunday service. It's called a humanist service. And it, it took, he's got big balls. That's all oh, I yeah. have <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't rock a boat. He threw a tsunami at it. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about that, but it would take an incredible amount of courage to, <laughs> to stand up as the one person to get something started or, or to demand equal treatment and say, hey, what about me? What about people like me? I, I'm the first to stand up and say this, but I'd like e- equal representation. That is that is pretty courageous. Taylor's got some some big brasses. So now we've we've talked to Scott and Vicky about your previous religious affiliation. How about how about you, Rebecca? So I was raised in a very fundamentalist um, Protestant Christian household. Uh, not necessarily one particular denomination. We were everything from Assemblies of God, which is kind of Pentecostal, you know, speaking in tongues, that sort of thing. Um, We're also Baptist. So the covered dish joke is legit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Something called Wesleyan, which is like a different version of Methodist, but we were also Methodist. But anyway, basically a very fundamentalist home. Uh, I was, I was homeschooled. Um, Uh Are you familiar with Bob Jones university? Uh, Yes. Okay, so that was a lot of their books were my curriculum. I learned things like, um, well, Noah's Ark was real, and that's why there are fossils. Mm. Um, oh yeah, so so good so I, good scientific stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> that was fun. Um, I was I was sent to a um, Baptist high school for all of high school, and that it was a it was a really small organization, but, uh, I came to realize, like, I really wanted to be this apologetics warrior and I wanted to like uh-huh. make all the doubters go away and like prove them all wrong. And because I wanted to do that, I found myself, um, asking really tough questions of teachers. And I should mention also, my father was a pastor for about three years. And I think that really shaped my desire to, to kind of get, cause I, I loved having these like theological discussions with him and he was teaching himself Greek and Hebrew. And I thought that was so neat. I'm like, Oh, all the answers are obviously in there. I just have to figure out how to read them and convince everybody. Well, when I found these educators absolutely lacking, uh, my conclusion was not that they have bad source material. My conclusion was that they're just bad teachers and I should find better ones. So I found myself doing my own research and uh, the more I dug into it, the less sense it made. Um, but to be honest, you know, I was I was an adult before I realized that I was an atheist. And it took the the very last straw was the birth of my son. I I remember thinking I was married to his father at the time, and we had this discussion about okay, we're gonna go to church all the time now, and like because that's what good parents do, right? And um, the more I tried to do that, the more of a lie that it felt. Uh, that it felt like. And I, I realized the reason I was struggling with this is I didn't believe any of this. So why would I force that on my child? 
And I really started thinking about two things that have bothered me since I was trying to be this, you know, 12 year old apologetics warrior. One of them was geography and the other was homosexuals. So I couldn't figure out why a loving God would make someone be born in a land where they learn to believe the wrong God and go to hell. Mm -hmm. And I also couldn't figure out the inconsistencies between the old and new Testament about how you should deal with homosexuality. And I also couldn't figure out why we were making some, some exceptions for cultural changes as far as like biblical law. Well, okay. That was true back then. It's not true now. Yeah. Um, but we weren't doing that for homosexuals. So those two things, like if you had to sum it up into a very short list, it's the birth of my son, geography and the gays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All those good. gays will get you every time. All good reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alex Jones was right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy shit. We were watching some clips of him earlier before we called you guys. Going Just nuts. that man has lost his fucking mind. Like, yeah. like worse, like even worse than before. I've when I saw him last. Yeah, he's he's fucking insane. What, what was he saying? Donald Trump is a psyop. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, yeah, oh, that was Donald one. Trump's yeah. a psyop, and all of us atheists are trying to create Satan. <laughs> yeah, and he wants oh, and his he, he wants his life extension technologies. Yeah, and he's yeah. got to go to space and all that shit. <laughs> oh, then we're waiting you know, with aliens. In that same in that same sentence, he was also saying, "Let's get over racism." So. It, oh, that's yeah. progress, right? I'm tired of you black racists, you white racists, you Mexican <laughs> racists. I'm tired of you. I'm tired of arguing with you. <laughs> He's out of his mind. Yeah, that dude's fucking nuts. Yeah. So now you, you said that you've had to separate or, or create two services. How does that work? Are they both on Sunday? Are they just at different times? What, what are the logistics of that? They're, they're the same time. And actually, we're waiting to move to another location. The, there's a theater that is more suited that would help us out a lot better. And that way we wouldn't have to get out of the chairs and all of that. And it still has the same projector ability that we need. But um, they're having some kind of, I don't know, HVAC situation going on. And so they, we can't move into that location just yet. So we're still in the same location. And we've had to shorten the time frame. So instead of our, our trainees getting the two hours of reflection, that they're allowed on Sundays, they're getting a little bit less than that. And so that way we can still fit in that time frame. So each one is, is a little less than two hours and they're back to back. So we have it from eight to nine 40 and then nine 50 to 1130. And they um, come in and then we have to kind of quickly get them out, which is disappointing to us because there's a lot of time after the service that trainees come up and they tell us, Things that we said during that time frame that impacted them. I know trainees have said to Rebecca the story about how her, she couldn't lie to her son was important. Um, trainees have shared how their their families had told them to shun family members, and um, now that they've come to this service, they know that they don't have to do that, and that their atheist brother is, you know, not not out there slaughtering people and and you know all that kind of thing. Um, so we're kind of really losing a lot of our emotional connections uh, because that happens after the service. We go through our two hours and then we usually have about 15 minutes of trainees coming up and telling us great, powerful things, how we change their lives. Parents take advantage of that time. Sometimes parents attend with the trainees and they come up and tell us how we've changed their lives. We've had um, parents come up and say they didn't know what they were, but now they know they're humanists, just, just impactful, hmm. powerful yeah. things. So in sacrificing the space and trying to get the same thing for two services back to back, we're still kind of losing a little bit. So we're anxious to get into our new space so that way we can go back to that time frame. And so once you get into the new space, will you then just move it back to one service? No, it'll say two services. We'll just be able to extend both services to two hours. Oh, okay. 
No. Our service, when we and started, is- uh, the trainees, they come in and we do a quick lay down the rules. Um, you know, there's no proselytizing, no debating. We're going to be respectful. We're not going to out anybody when we go back to the barracks. You know, we call it fight club, <laughs> things like that. And then we give each and every trainee an opportunity to stand up and say who they are. And so they say their name. They say what week of basic training they're in and how they identify religiously. And we give them room to play with that. So some people will say a Sith Lord or a Pokemon Master <laughs> or, you know, different things. And and that's part of the icebreaker game, right? To get them all just joking and relaxed. So that way they, they want to share stories. So we get a lot of atheist, agnostic um, that's that's how we find out there's Satanists in the audience. That's how we find out there's pagans in the audience, because that is the time where they stand up and say who they are. And that is so critical to me for this meeting that when we had 400, we still did that. We right. still did that. All 400 trainees stood up and said who they were. It just took obviously a lot longer. It took yeah. 45 minutes instead of the 20 to 30 minutes that we really wanted to have. Hmm. And we, and so we, we need to keep it. Yeah, and we don't do most of the talking. We pass around a wireless microphone, and they tell their stories and give their insights. So when we have 400 in there, uh, it's a lot harder for everyone who wants to speak to actually speak up. It's a real charge to be in front of that many people, but uh, it's just really not feasible, and you can't have that many people stand up and tell their stories. So how do you determine who goes to which service? I mean, is it? Is it just you can go to whichever one you would like to go to, or is it by name when basic they arrive? Basic training, actually, yeah, they the chain of command of base training already has this figured out. Like, okay, this squadron, this squadron, this squadron, these are your times. So we kind of just matched up with what the uh, other services are doing. So if there's an early and late service, it's already divided. Um, the advantage to that being they're kind of already treating us like a religious service as far as accommodation. Uh, so that's a plus. Hmm. Well, and, and I think it's awesome that you guys actually have to have two different services now just because the demand is so great. Um, what are your future plans or hopes for this going forward? Uh, well, I retired and I'm staying here in San Antonio. So I know that every Sunday, uh, well, every Sunday for the past two and a half years, I have been there. I've only missed three services out of the two and a half years that um, have been going on. So as long as the trainees want me there or want us there, Scott's retired too. He's in the area. um, Then we'll be there. And if it's one trainee that is, is sticking around, then we'll be there until that one trainee graduates. The number is powerful and significant and awesome, but we're there to provide support to whoever needs us. And so if it's one trainee, it's one trainee. If it's, if it grows to be all of basic training, wants to attend both of our services instead of anything else, that would be absolutely cool. <laughs> oh, the uh, godless but, military. Know, I don't think that's actually going to happen. Yeah, no. well, that was another question that I had too. I, I'm not entirely familiar with how the military works around these things. I mean, you know, I live here in Utah and had lived up north near Hill Air Force Base for quite a while and had several friends in the military, Ryan's in the military. I know that, you know, as a as a former military member or retired member, you can go on base and, and use the facilities and things like that. Has there been any – have you run in, into any issues with people – uh, saying that, you know, well, you're, you're no longer part of the military, so we can't really have you instructing people or leading these types of services. Or is that, is that just not even a question? Is it just you, you are former military, so you're welcome anytime to do whatever you want? Um, well, I, I wasn't selected to lead it because of being in the military. So how were you selected to lead it? Um, 
because I was already leading the uh, Joint Base San Antonio Military Atheist and Secular Humanist group here in San Antonio. So as I was already leading that group, I was brought in as a atheist humanist leader. And a few months after this really took off and we found out I wasn't just going to be there for five weeks, I was going to, I was going to keep being there. I went ahead and paid for my certification or endorsement actually through the humanist society and became a humanist chaplain. So I'm there in that capacity. And it's just a bonus that I have a retiree ID card and I can go on the base without requiring any special privileges on top of that. And when you're, when you're retired, you're not really out of the military. The first few years, uh, you're on active reserve. You could be recalled if shit hits the fan. And, um, you know, you have your ID card. You can use almost as many facilities on base as active duty can. Hmm. Okay. So you, you asked about you asked about hopes for the for the meeting. And, uh, you know, like Vicky said, we hope it continues to grow. Um, I think one thing that is kind of an indicator of how valuable this service is, is that we do have repeat religious trainees. So we have repeat attendees that are religious. Um, there was one kid, this was a few weeks ago. We asked, you know, how'd you guys hear about us? And like a whole bunch of people started pointing at this one guy and, uh, we're like, Oh, you're out there recruiting, huh? And, uh, he said, yeah, I brought 18 people with me today. Whoa. And, uh, wow. we're like, Oh, well, why'd you do that? And, uh, just, you know, we want to hear their feedback. Right. And he said, because this is awesome. And he continued, I'm a Christian, but this is important. I get to come here and hear different worldviews. This is important. Hmm. And I, I firmly agree. Neil Carter, when he visited, he, he put it best. And I quote him. I steal this from him all the time. He says, he said, uh, you know, looking at all the different worldviews and religions and philosophies that were in that room, just openly talking about that. Uh, he said, what you guys are learning here is incredible because diversity is a premium skill. And he's absolutely right. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, locally, I hope that... Um, interested, passionate uh, military members, service members continue to be involved and support Vicki and Scott as as much as uh, they can because the nature of the military is I will PCS, I will move. Uh, so when that happens, you know, uh, I hope somebody steps to, up to the plate. So, hey, if you're listening to this podcast, you're in the San Antonio area or you're going to get stationed at Lackland or Randolph or anywhere in Joint Base San Antonio, look us up and, you know, Vicky will put you through the ringer and, and see if you got what it takes. <laughs> but beyond that, I think it's I think it's more than just that. Um, I think there's a a broader goal and hope here. And and personally for me, that is I hope the Air Force looks at this and I hope they strongly consider uh, putting humanist chaplains in the military. I think they should put humanist chaplains in the Air Force. And I think they should look at our program and see the value that it adds. And if there's no other reason for that, here's the one. As an atheist, if I really need to go talk to someone and have a 100% guarantee of confidentiality, the only person in the military that I can go do that with is a chaplain. There are some chaplains that you can go talk to and it'll be fine. They are going to be excellent. I mean, we, we have a pretty good working relationship with some of them. And I have personally worked with them just in my NCO duties, uh, not related to this meeting. I've worked with some that are great. They're They're not the, I guess, the negative stereotype, you know, the real preachy, like, evangelical pray over you push their religion, that sort of thing. They're, they're there to help the servicemen. So there, there are some that are like that, but you never know what kind of a chaplain you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And it can put an atheist or a humanist in a very strange position where their options are go speak to a religious counselor or go talk to someone who doesn't have that guarantee. 
Uh, and in certain cases, sensitive cases, when you're talking sexual assault, when you're talking um, knowledge of a crime or something that happened to you as a child or just the list goes on and on, there are very good reasons for you to want that guarantee and to still seek those services. I think so, those are all good points. Yeah, that, that was excellent. So what can we do as a podcast and, and people listening to the show? What can we do to offer support and, and help you achieve those goals? Uh, help get the word out is one, um, we, you know, we have Facebook, we have Twitter uh, at Bootcamp Atheist. And uh, I guess just kind of being plugged in, as I'm sure you are, to the community. I, I don't, I'm not sure. Are you guys familiar with uh, Jason Heap? Yes. He's the yeah, Navy. He's yeah. a Navy chaplain. Yeah, I'm friends with him on so Facebook. So stories like that. Yeah, so stories like that definitely pay attention to. And uh, what's interesting, too, is there are certain judicial court cases where in terms of accommodation, humanism is being recognized as a religion. So that's not to say that uh, humanism is suddenly defined as a religion in the United States. It's just for the purposes of accommodation, and that's coming up in prisons and, I, and also, I believe, in colleges. If you want to point to an institution that is similar to both prison and college, it's the military. <laughs> uh, so, I, <laughs> so I think this would be an excellent place to put a humanist. I also think that it would do certain religious chaplains a favor as well, because it gives them another alternative. Um, it was explained to me this way by uh, one of the EMT chaplains. He said, there's a difference between providing and providing for. And he explained that, you know, just like Vicki and I are endorsed by the Humanist Society, um, these chaplains are endorsed by their religious services. So if it's the Southern Baptist Convention or, or what have you, if that endorsement authority says you absolutely cannot provide marital counseling to a homosexual couple and a homosexual service member comes to you for marital counseling, you cannot do it because you will lose your endorsement. So in addition to the UCMJ, the uh, military law that we have to follow, in addition to that, they also have to follow these other set of rules. Um, so it's a very strange line that they work, uh, or excuse me, that they walk. Um, and because of that, that can create kind of some some tension or some misunderstanding. If you had a humanist chaplain, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and members of the chaplaincy are actually paid military members, correct? Yeah. They're they're not just yeah. some volunteer. They they get paid and get all of the benefits that come with uh, being being a member of the military as well. Yeah. They're officers. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So they that's are. yeah that that seems like something that we definitely need to get changed for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't want to eat up any more of your guys' time, but I thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, Rebecca, Vicki, Scott, thank you all so much for what you're doing and for coming on the show and talking to us about it. it was, this was this was a great conversation. And go ahead and throw out any plugs that any of you guys want. Nothing? No, uh, nothing. Twitter, nothing. Like okay. I said, it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. it's, <laughs> we, have, we have a Twitter account. It's at Bootcamp Atheist. Um, it's kind of cool because some of the, the airmen who have now graduated will reach back and say, you know, it's Sunday and I miss you guys. It's kind of neat. Oh, cool. We also um, have started a group here, uh, South Texas Atheist for Reason, and we're trying to get that to be a nonprofit. And mm. so we are using that and working with the military association of atheists and free thinkers in order to provide this service on Lackland. And so you can find us, like she said, on Facebook, on Twitter and follow that and spread that around. Um, recently the humanist associate American humanist association, uh, liked one of our statuses or, or, and, and retweeted it. And then we had a huge increase of by 30 or 40 people, um, that, that saw what we were doing. And so that really helps us to get that word out. 
cool. And uh, one thing that probably should, should certainly be mentioned is, you know, if you've enjoyed kind of the discussion here, uh, if you're going to be in Chicago in May, you can actually go meet Vicki yourself because she's the winner of the 2016 American Humanist Association President's Award. What? 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 <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. Thank you. Rebecca and her husband. So, so she, Ben yeah. kind of gets So she'll, she'll be there. She'll is Ben there? Where's Ben? Ben gets left off of stuff, but he's just as inter- in, uh, involved in this as anyone. And so... Ben um, wanted to nominate me for this. Rebecca assisted him with doing so. And so because of the two of them, that's how this whole thing happened for me to um, get that president's award in May. Awesome. Well, that's fantastic. All we did was was write down what she does. I mean, she does all this and she also, uh, she runs the San Antonio Atheist and Humanist Helping the Homeless. Um, So she's, she's a busy gal. We just wrote down what she does. But yeah, you can meet her um, up in Chicago. Fantastic. Awesome. Maybe Tom and Cecil will stop by and say hi to you guys. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again for joining us. You all have a fantastic evening and best of luck to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> awesome. That was pretty. Yeah. Well, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was great. That was fantastic. I Yeah, I had I had some idea of what was going on there, but not nearly as much as I thought I did. There's, yeah. That's a, that's a lot of really cool information. And yeah, congratulations to Vicky for that award. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, because that definitely did not exist when I went through basic training. Yeah. What, 14 years ago? Well, and and that, that seemed weird to me, too. Like, in my mind, I had imagined that for basic training, and they said that it's an eight-week thing, that you have, you know, a group of, of people who show up for basic training, right? So every... Every week. Eight or eight or ten or however many weeks you have just this Ugh. group of people who arrive and do the thing, but it's, it's not every it's, week. It's, it's a constantly rotating yep. thing. Wow. That's why when the new people showed up, we usually called them like the Rainbow Squad. The Rainbow Squad. Because when they showed up, they were all in their civvies. So they're all wearing different ah, colors, all right. different colors, and still so the week, drab military yeah, bullshit. Week one, you don't have your BDUs yet, so week one, people are walking around in all different colored clothes, and they haven't had their hair cut yet. So we always, at least we call refer to them as the Rainbow Squad. <laughs> <laughs> How about a uh, double shout out for Taylor Grin too? I didn't yeah. realize the uh, oh, yeah, size dude. of his yeah. cojones. There. You had no idea of his awesomeness. Well, I knew it was pretty awesome, but. Yeah. I guess I didn't have all the details on what that would have actually taken to get started. Yeah, that's awesome. And and thank you very much for putting us in contact yeah. with Vicky and then uh Vicky, oh. thank you putting for putting us in contact with Rebecca and Scott also. That was that was fantastic. Yeah, it was. I, I really enjoyed that. Hopefully we can get them all on the show again sometime in the future and, and check back in with them and see how everything's going. And Taylor and all their new recruits and and well, hopefully Tom and Cecil and, all the and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Just have 300 people on. <laughs> hopefully when Taylor's in the area, he might just stop by the studio. You never know. If he can tell us. That would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah if he's not on some top secret mission. Chop secret. He'll come here with his <laughs> cloaked suit on. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a quick little break and we'll be back with some more news. Please stand by. The Godless Revolution will continue in a moment. Christopher Hitchens, how would you sum up the impact of the Ten Commandments? As an appeal to uh, give your allegiance to a totalitarian authority. It's a document of a very aggressive and cruel tribe and religion. 
And it shows obvious things like this code that are common to all human morality, and I would say innate, and that a religion gets its morality from humans and not the other way around. The Ten Commandments have underpinned Western law for centuries, indeed for millennia. What's wrong with that? Well, uh, what's wrong with it is it isn't true, of course. The fact is, anybody, Socrates, for example, Plato, uh, his, his recorder, anybody who is interested in virtue, justice, truth, the right thing to do, is going to examine what is at the heart of good human behaviour. But let's look at what they don't do. They don't stop slavery, there's no mention of it, and they kept slaves. So, hello... What a perfect society they had because of their Ten Commandments. What did God forget? The Ten Commandments are the hysterical believings of a group of desert tribes. Those desert tribes have stored up more misery for mankind than any other group of people in the history of the planet, and they're doing it to this day. To say that that should underpin the way we live, to say it's a commandment, that gives all your game away. How dare my you game, command? You bid us be commanded. I think life is much more exciting than that to do with finding out. It's not Stephen. to do with being told by some Stephen. awful patriarch. Stephen, we're not speeching. We're trying to answer. I am, sorry. I yeah, am. I'm we're happy to. to. Because these damn commandments of yours, you say they've made life better. I say they've suppressed and tyrannised ah. and bullied. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. Welcome back to the Godless Revolution. That was that was a great conversation. Yeah. I, re- yeah. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed interviewing uh, Rebecca, Vicky, and Scott. That was that was awesome. And also, once again, thank you, Taylor, for pointing being me a, in their direction. Being a badass to get them on the show. That was awesome. Yeah, and thanks for being a badass in general for starting that whole that whole deal there at Lackland. That's that's pretty fucking cool, man. Yeah, I definitely would not have had the balls to speak up while there. Yeah, I mean, it's it, kind of counter intuitive to where you're supposed to be yeah like i'm well especially as as somebody entering basic training yeah. right where yeah. it's do as you're told and shut the fuck up yeah so yeah that was awesome uh we got several more news items to cover there's been quite a bit of news lately there has been throughout mm-hmm. the week so fucking many rifra bullshit, bullshit laws yeah. being passed i don't it it bothers me a great deal um one of the things that is kind of exciting about all of it, though, comes comes to us by way of Satanists. Yay! Yay, Satanists! Uh, so, you'll remember that we had Lucian Greaves on the show uh, fairly recently. Yeah, like I do remember that. Last month. Talking about... Talking to our <laughs> listeners, Matt! Well, I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> we had, we had uh, Lucian on the show talking about the invocation that was planned in Phoenix. Yes. And that the the Phoenix City Council decided, no, we're just not even going to do anything anymore now because that Satanists want to talk to people. Yeah. We can't have that. Can't have differing point of views. It's all got to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're the only voice allowed to be heard. It's got to be lousy with Jesus up in this bitch if we're going <laughs> to have anybody fucking talking about anything, right? Up in his house. <laughs> so anyway, Phoenix Phoenix had decided that they weren't going to have any kind of invocation going forward at all. Uh, this was... It was going to be a, a moment of silence. Yes. And it was so that they could stop the Satanists from offering the invocation. Right. Yes. Well, recently, they've decided to go back on that. Oh, those motherfuckers. Now, uh, we have we have this posted to Daily Coast by our friend Doug Mesner, a.k.a. Lucian Greaves. 
And the story reads that the Phoenix, Arizona City Council, with a decades-long tradition of opening their deliberations with a prayer, found themselves pitched into a confused fury when satanic interlopers presented a bid to offer an invocation of their own. Unable to engage in religious viewpoint discrimination without committing a constitutional violation, the satanic invocation was scheduled to take place this past February 17th, the day that we had Doug on the Mm -hmm. show with us. Some council members and other public officials expressed little concern for legal quibbling or tedious constitutional, quote, political correctness, end quote, calling immediately for the satanic temple to be blocked from speaking. February 3rd, 2016, the City Council of Phoenix, Arizona, convened to consider proposed measures aimed specifically at blocking the Satanic Temple from delivering any invocations in the open forum of their council chambers. During the public hearing, State Rep. Kelly Townsend, who had been organizing a prayer rally to combat TST's alleged evil, bore false witness before the council, testifying the TST's real mission was to silence religious voices. The council voted to instate a moment of silence policy that lasted just long enough to prevent any uncomfortable non-Christian messages from enjoying free speech, only to vote one session later to reinstate prayer, but with the restriction that the prayers will be delivered only by approved chaplains, (laughs) which is fucking bullshit. bullshit. That's a lawsuit just waiting to be filed. Sure is. As TST considers its legal approach, Rep. Townsend is self-congratulatory and, naturally, the Satanic Temple is unimpressed. Then it's got a series of tweets here uh, from uh, Kelly Townsend and the Satanic Temple and later from uh, Lucian Greaves. Her first tweet reads, I'm very pleased that Phoenix City Council took our advice to reinstate prayer. Hashtag God rules. Hashtag Phoenix prayer. Hashtag PTL. And the Satanic Temple replied and said, You are a disgraceful, slanderous liar, Kelly Townsend. You accused us of trying to silence religious voices when all we asked was to speak. Which is entirely true. True. Yeah, that, yeah. that's the whole point. That She's, they wanted to have a, a diverse and and pluralistic representation of the beliefs yeah. of the people of Arizona. Not only disgraceful, slanderous liar, I would add that Kelly Townsend is also ignorant and fucking stupid because she has to know all of the attention that TST is paying to the city of Phoenix right now. And even with all of that, she went ahead, right ahead and started bragging about um, the new uh, the new uh, thing they just put in. What the fuck is it called? Uh, they just put in place prayer? which well where they just the reinstatement to, yeah, yeah they, which they reinstated is, the which, prayer which is like you said a lawsuit waiting to happen and they're watching her well yeah I mean Stupid. they were they were watching ahead of time they right. they've they've seen the national spotlight now because of the satanic temple it's not just the satanic temple that's right. watching them that's watching them well, it's fucking everywhere we are yeah. too yeah. yeah but I mean but I, I'm I'm just saying I would add that to to that so <laughs> and and of course you know after the satanic temple sent that tweet others chimed in as well. Uh, at Nericle says at Satanic Psalms, which is the Satanic Temple's Twitter handle, at Kelly Townsend Eleven, which is Representative Kelly Townsend's handle. So at Satanic Psalms, Kelly Townsend fails to understand that religion means more than only hers, which is pretty fucking clear from everything that she's been doing and saying. And it really pisses me off, too, that she knows exactly – I mean, you can tell from her first tweet that she knows exactly what the fuck is going oh, yeah. on. She says, hashtag God rules. rules. Okay. Yep. Which one? Yours. Cr- clearly, that's the only fucking one that you're aware of. Yep. Um, there there were other replies from, from other people out on the Twitterverse. Uh, one of them says, observation, Christians have been trying to silence religious voices for thousands of years. Uh, 
Yes, they have indeed. Um, M.R. Gadfly replied to the Satanic Temple and said, what I want to know is why grown adults are wasting taxpayer dollars discussing, discussing superstitious delusions. Um, Raptor Rapport <laughs> sent out a tweet that says, in full agreement, Kelly is a disgrace to Arizona, to the USA, and to the Constitution. Uh, Doug Mesner writes that during all this, Townsend remains silent, but for the mysteriously tweeting a link to a particular criticism while, all, while only offering a comment of, quote, love it. Uh, then Lucian Greaves tweeted that they took the advice of Kelly Townsend against the advice of their attorney and their human rights commission. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Uh, Rep. Kelly Townsend tweeted, love it, and then has, has a link to Lucian's tweet. And he writes that requests for elaboration weren't long in coming. He tweeted to her and said, please tell us what do you love about this? You love discriminatory policies so long as they favor your superstition? Of course, there was no reply. She she just keeps tweeting, love it. Mm-hmm. Well, and people are responding yeah. to her tweet of saying, love it. Um, goes on for a bit. There we go. And Doug writes that, and this is where something truly remarkable happened. Suddenly, Rep. Kelly Townsend feigned ignorance regarding the entire issue. And she tweeted... At Lucian Greaves, tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. I'm getting blamed and wasn't there. Not aware of what you're upset about, but I can guess. <laughs> and and Lucian said, you're the one saying Phoenix took your advice. You gave false testimony. What aren't you following? It's not that fucking difficult, yeah. Kelly Townsend. <laughs> uh, further requests for elaboration were fruitless. Lucian tweeted at her again and said, and I'm not aware of what you mean when you post my comment and say, love it. Can you explain that? Uh, his, his post ends with the whole incident further underscores the dishonesty of those who adamantly impose Christian privilege in the name of religious freedom. The shame of it is that the people of Arizona will have to pay the bill for this constitution, for the constitutional ignorance of the representatives. And as this plays out, it's predictable that each of the council members and officials responsible for their clearly illegal behavior will distance themselves from what they've wrought. Mm -hmm. It will be our duty and pleasure to remind them. <laughs> That's why I love the Satanic Temple. <laughs> I really like the Satanic Temple, Lucian Greaves, Doug Mesner. They all do fantastic fucking work, man. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I look forward to having him on the show again to tell us what they've done about this and lending my support and our support as much as we possibly can to this because that's fucking bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it is. It totally is. And I mean, I I think when he was on the show, he even called it and said, well, they've suspended it for now, but we'll see how long that lasts. So, yeah. Yep. I'll, I'll go get ordained and drive on down there. More news about that ahead, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, cockily doodly do, little buddies. Let's thank the Lord for another beautiful school day. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. That sounded like a prayer. A prayer. A prayer in a public school. God has no place within these walls, just like facts have no place within organized religion. Parents in Delta, Colorado, are upset over atheist and satanic literature distributed in schools. And during our break, we watched this little video here, and I was... I, I get pissed off when people can't seem to figure out how to spell atheist. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's just theist with the letter A, a. in front of it. You yeah. think it's not that fucking difficult, but local news channels and other ignorant religious tards fuck it up all the goddamn time. 
I'm going to play this little news clip from your 24-hour news, KJCT 8 HD. Looks like Channel 9 ABC there in Colorado. Oh, it's Channel 8. All right, thank you, Mackenzie. Some Delta parents are in an uproar after atheist and satanic literature is to be distributed in high school and middle schools in their area. Western Colorado atheists and free thinkers are working with the Freedom From Religion Foundation to offer Delta students an alternative way of thinking. The Delta County School District says that they cannot discriminate against any groups when it comes to non-curricular materials. Correct. In December, Gideon Bibles were distributed to students, which the Western Colorado Atheists say prompted their event. This is the other side of that. The way our policy is written is that... And this is Kurt Clay from the Delta County School District. We cannot discriminate um, what is handed out. We just have to follow the process. They're getting exposed not only to a big lesson about federal laws in our Constitution, but also about differing points of view, which, of course, exist throughout the country and the world. The atheist literature will not be handed out, but rather placed on a table in a school library, allowing students to pick it up if they wish. On April 1st, the Delta School District is looking into revising their policy so they can still provide materials that benefit students but do not include religious matters or beliefs. So a couple of things for me on that that stand out. First of all, the Gideon's Bibles were passed out as far yep, as this report, yeah. and the atheist literature, literature is just set on a table. Mm-hmm. not Probably in a corner behind some old bookshelves. Yeah, yeah. And the second thing is, after the original headline, they completely dropped the Satanist part of it. Just and then atheist. after that, it yeah. became all atheism. Yeah. Well, you can only say Satan twice before oh, right. he before shows up. Shows up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, yeah, I mean, the, the story, the text of the story says that in December, Gideon Bibles were distributed by Delta County students. Right. Okay. Were well. distributed to Delta County students. Yes. Not that they were just laid out in the library where they could go and pick one up if they wanted, but they were distributed to the students. Uh, the Western Colorado Atheist and Freethinkers say the distribution of those Bibles prompted their desire to distribute atheist and satanic material as well. Quote, this is the other side of that, explained Kurt Clay, the assistant superintendent who we heard during the story there. The policy says we cannot discriminate what is handed out. We just have to follow the process. Or, you know, alternatively, just just me, you know, spitballing here, throwing out <laughs> ideas, maybe not include fucking religious indoctrination yeah. as part of your yep. public school process. Yep. I mean, I, that's the simple explanation or the simple fucking fix to all of this, right, is mm-hmm. don't allow religious privilege and don't include religious indoctrination in a public school. Right. That's what fucking private yeah. schools are for. That's what churches are for. Yep. And And here's another thing, just thinking. What the fuck do you have to worry about? You have the truth, don't you? Yeah, the they truth. Sh- you should be happy to give them all of this stuff so they can look at it and scoff. Yeah. yeah what, and, what is your problem? Why do you see care? see how absolutely untrue all of it is. I mean, yeah. what what do you have to worry about? Where's Clearly, if you have the truth, then it shouldn't fucking matter what else they read or see or hear. Yeah, there's always groups sending religious texts to us when we're deployed. And while in Afghanistan, I burned. They're a- sending religious texts. Oh, like like books. You yeah, mean? I, I'm thinking phone. Sorry. No, like there wasn't even text messaging in 2003. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? There probably was, but I didn't know about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I burned a whole box of Bibles in Afghanistan. Nice. We had a, all mail that was getting thrown out had to be burned. Oh yeah. Well, because you didn't want like Taliban getting a hold of your address. True. 
So we had to clean it up. And I took a box of Bibles and tossed it in the fire pit. You don't want Muhammad Jihad Jihad showing up no. at grandma's house. And, <laughs> and plus, at night, the, the Bible served their Durka, purpose. Durka. Yeah. <laughs> they, durka, durka, durka. Muhammad they, Jihad. They kept us quite warm that night. Uh, <laughs> see, they are good for something. I hear you can roll some things with them, too. Yeah, mm. Jolly Ranchers are great. And like When you want to save it for later, you just roll it up in the Bible. It doesn't stick as much. Oh. I'm, that's a complete joke. I'm not being serious. So don't don't <laughs> yeah. try it. I, gu- I guarantee the paper will stick. Oh, yeah. yeah. I knew what you were talking about, and I was trying to take it 180 <laughs> degrees from there. So so, I thought that'd be funny. So during the editing process for last week's show, yeah. I'm listening to it, and, and there's the point where we open the window, and I'm like, it's really foggy in here. Yeah. And Matt's like, it really is. And I'm like, <laughs> listening to the show, it sounds like we're all just totally fucking stoned. And I'm like, that's, that's not what happened. No. <laughs> Ever. Not even once. Yeah, I'm like, that That really just sounds like we're sitting down here with smoking a, a bowl. And a, we're like, it's really foggy in here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no. We sit in – This is the studio is a small room and we vape in here and it gets very foggy and cloudy, so – and after a little while of the three of us bloviating and being fucking windbags, it it gets warm. Gets warm in here. We've got the TV on, the computer, the mm-hmm. fucking mixing board, our microphones, all the electronics in this and small tight space. Yeah, insulated really well with all the sound with all the sound tiles. It gets pretty warm and full of vapor. And so we open the window. It got a little chilly yeah. earlier. Yeah. So we've now slid the window <laughs> a little bit closed. <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving on. Moving on. So, we talked about Keith Olbermann earlier, who I pine for. (laughs) (laughs) I pine for his return to television or an, or an internet presence somewhere where he can bestow upon all of us his, his, Beautiful critical, critical on, thinking on, on politics and stuff and junk. No. I'm pretty sure he's an atheist. After watching him for years and he, hearing a lot of the things he said, pretty sure he's an atheist. Anywho, uh, he also is the one who led to Rachel Maddow getting a start on MSNBC. She started as a as a guest on his show, a recurring guest on his show, and then as a fill-in for him whenever he wasn't on the show, uh, when he went on vacation, what have you. And I first learned of this story on the Rachel Maddow show. It's something that I watch all of the time as well. Uh, this is a Bible-thumping Alabama governor has been expelled from his church after his racy phone calls go public. So apparently, I believe it was the governor's wife of 50-plus years who secretly recorded him speaking to a close aide. A very close aide? Basically having phone sex with this woman, just recording his side of the conversation, and has filed for divorce, and the governor has had a – has held a press conference where he apologized – for inappropriate behavior, but has n- but has also stated that there was no physical contact. But if you hear these fucking phone calls, I mean, in the in the phone calls, he's talking about, oh, I love when I come up behind you and grab your breasts and reach under. And I mean, he's it, it's talks about physical contact. Talks about physical hmm. contact in the past tense. As if these things have happened and telling the person on the other end of the line how much he enjoys them. 
So while the Republican governor, this this story comes from us uh, or comes to us from Raw Story, it says the Republican governor of Alabama is no longer a member of his church, where he was once a deacon after admitting to inappropriate sexual conversations with a top staffer. Governor Robert Bentley and his top advisor, Rebecca Mason, both attended First Baptist Church of Tuscaloosa for years because nobody wants to go to Second Baptist Church, right. no. especially of Tuscaloosa. But they've <laughs> apparently been expelled after the release of an audio recording in which Bentley makes sexually explicit comments to Mason. Quote, while church discipline is a church family matter, both Governor Robert Bentley and Mrs. Rebecca Mason are no longer members of First Baptist Church Tuscaloosa. End quote. Senior Pastor Gil McGee told the Christian News Network. I continue to pray for each of them. Oh, whoopty fucking do. He says he continues to pray. For empty promises? So apparently praying to begin with didn't fucking help at no. all. Right. And thanks to that confidentiality thing, he except, may or may not have known about it, but it doesn't matter because he doesn't have to report anything. Uh-huh. Well, except for that time he couldn't get it up and he prayed to God and magically with a pill, it worked oh, very well. Right. <laughs> So, Pastor McKee had previously compared Bentley to the Old Testament prophet Joshua. Quote, God has called him to this mission of leadership, McKee said during Bentley's inauguration day in 2011, according to the Gadsden Times. Last week, Bentley admitted to making the sexual remarks to Mason, but denied there was a, quote, physical affair with the mother of three. Quote, I would now like to apologize to the people of Alabama. I ask them to forgive me. I've been told about the possibility of tapes for two years. For two fucking years! Yeah. He's been told about the possibility of these tapes. And, and of course he doesn't come forward and apologize, admit wrongdoing, nothing, until somebody actually releases the evidence. goddamn tapes. Yep. So you're not, you're not sorry for what you did. You're sorry you got caught. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Bentley has sullied his reputation, according to political experts. Quote, it pretty much decimates the reputation that he was elected on as the doctor that could cure Alabama's ills, both financial and moral. Bill Stewart, the former chairman of the Department of Political Science at the University of Alabama, told the Associated Press, quote, overall, it is bound to diminish his ability to be persuasive, given that he is a lame duck governor to start with. And then when you add this, when you add this scandal to it, it's hard to believe that he would be taken seriously. Added Natalie Davis, a political scientist at Birmingham's Southern College. Anyway, this guy's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, cheats on his wife of 50 years as he's, as he's presenting himself as the family values, yeah. Bible thumping, mm -hmm. Christian, moralist governor that's going to save everybody while he's fucking an aide. Isn't mm -hmm. that how they most, most of them are? I mean, it's not, a I don't new know story. about most, but. Well, it's not a new story. No, definitely I mean, we, not. We, it's a it's a story we we Keep hear repeated time and time and again, over. and it and it often comes from these fucking religious fanatics who think they're so much better than everybody else who yeah. thinks their shit doesn't stink while they're out fucking an aid. Yep, fucking makes me a little bit angry. <laughs> Just a little bit. So, oh yeah, we we touched on Donald Trump earlier and left our hands all oh, orange he... and greasy. <laughs> fucking Cheetos. But I, I think I was was it during our interview with with Donald with our guests that I mentioned that Donald Trump has said that women should be punished for abortion or was that pre I think we said that pre off? like off air. OK, yeah. so recently uh, Donald Trump has been quoted as saying that women who get abortions should be punished. Yeah. Which is fucking despicable. Uh 
This also comes to us from Raw Story, says Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump said on Wednesday that women who had abortions should face some sort of pun- some form of punishment if Republicans were successful in banning the practice. During a town hall event, this is the same town hall event that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, that set to air on MSNBC Wednesday night, host Chris, Wa- Chris Matthews insisted that Trump could not dodge the question of how to enforce an abortion ban. Look, (laughs) just do the voice. Look, people in certain parts of the Republican Party, conservative Republicans would say, yes, it should. Trump replied, according to a transcript, according to a transcript obtained by Bloomberg, I would say it's a very serious problem and it's a problem we have to decide on. Are you going to send them to jail? There has to be some form of punishment for the woman Matthews pressed. Yeah, Trump replied, adding that the punishment would have to be determined. And actually, I'm not even going to do the do, do the fucking Trump voice. I watched this video earlier, and it made me angry at not only Donald Trump, but at Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews, I appreciate a lot of the reporting he does, some of the interviews he's done. One thing that has always fucking bothered me about Chris Matthews is that he is a diehard Catholic. Mm. He oh. defends the Catholic Church and... And praises the Pope. He he has this long-standing love affair with JFK, because not just for JFK's politics, politics, he, but because he was a Catholic. The, the yeah. first he was the Catholic. first Catholic president. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, his 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 unending love of the Catholic Church, despite all of its flaws and scandals and problems, and and but him acting. Wrong out of line and and saying a lot of things out of line with the Catholic Church while saying that he morally agrees with them really fucking puts me off of Chris mm-hmm. Matthews. Should the woman be punished for having an abortion? Uh, look, uh, this I, is not something you can dodge. If you like, say abortion not, is a not, crime or abortion is murder, you have to deal with it under the law. Should abortion be punished? Well, people in certain parts of the Republican Party and conservative Republicans would say, yes, they should be punished. How about you? Uh, I would say that it's a very serious problem, and it's a problem that we have to decide on. Uh, is it's very? But you're I mean, for are banning you it. Say, well, wait. Are you going to say put them in jail? Are you, is that? Well, the no. What I'm that asking you, about? because you say you want to ban it. What's I, that I mean? Would, I am against. I am pro-life. Yes. What is ban? How do you ban abortion? How do you actually do it? Uh, well, you know, you'll go back to a a position like they had, where people will perhaps go to illegal places. Yeah. But you have to ban it. I'm. You against, ban it, and they go to somebody who, who flunked out of medical school. Cat, Catholic? Yes, I think I, I And how do you at, feel about the Catholic Church's well, position? I accept the teaching authority of my church on moral issues. But do you know ah. the position on abortion? Yes, I do. And do you concur with that position? I concur with their moral position, but legally I, know, I get That's a yeah. fucking chicken shit answer, yeah, Chris it is. Matthews. Yeah, it is. To the but, question, here's my problem. No, with no, it. but let me ask you. But what do you say about? It's not funny. Your church, yeah, it's really not a funny thing. What do you say about your church? They're very, very strong. They're a lot, but the churches make their moral judgments. But you, running for president of the United States, will be chief executive of the United States. Do you believe no, in? But, but you're, do you believe in punishment for abortion? Yes or no? Is a principle. Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment for the woman. Yeah, there has to be some form. Ten no, cents, ten years. I don't what? know. That I don't know. That Why I don't not? Know. I don't know. You take positions and everything else. I frankly, I do take positions and everything else. It's a very complicated position. Yeah. Unlike foreign policy. <laughs> well, that he took a position is just a really shitty one, apparently. Well, yeah, I mean, he's right. He, but I'm saying he says this is complicated, so he can't have a position. But he has a f- position on foreign policy, which is vastly more complex. And that yeah. he knows fucking jack shit about. about. He doesn't know anything about this either. 
Yeah, well, I, I think it would be clear, though, that he, that he would know more about abortion than he does about a lot of the foreign policy issues that he's, he's been, probably paid that he's, for a few that he's felt free to run his fucking mouth on, mm-hmm. you know, up until this point. But on abortion, he he doesn't know. It's a really yeah. complex issue. Yeah, it's one issue. It doesn't involve everybody. Well, fucking never mind. It just we should we should uh, change it from dump Trump to fuck Trump. I don't want to fuck Trump. No, but just fuck him. I don't fuck want that guy in particular. I got this one to go through real quick. If you yes, want. please do. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta. This is Dateline uh, <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> Associated Press. Um, but not entirely. I've spiced it up a bit. So it's unassociated press? Yes, it's the unassociated press. Okay. The unassociated press, the press, 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 press. It's the unassociated press of math myth, yo. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'll have to figure out which lines are mine. My tongue got in the way. Georgia Governor Nathan Deal on Monday said he will veto legislation shielding opponents of same-sex marriage, presumably because of the groundswell of opposition from companies threatening to boycott the state if it became law. The Republican governor announced his decision during a news conference in his office at the Georgia Capitol, saying, I've examined the protections of this bill that this bill proposes to provide uh, to the faith based community. And I find no examples of this uh, or any circumstances occurring in our state. It's long been understood that religion and freedom of religion are the most sacred and important things on Earth. And nothing can change our sincerely held beliefs in bigotry except for money (laughs) deal added i do not think that we have to discriminate against anyone to protect the faith-based community in georgia then continued so if disney and the walking dead want to keep filming here remember that i said that part that we don't have to discriminate we can if we want but we don't have to we don't have we're the good guys we're just choosing to do so yeah republican majorities passed the bill passed the bill to broadly protect people whose actions were otherwise immoral and illegal so long as it's rooted in their religion Almost certainly because Republicans specifically and Georgians more broadly don't read, they've included a provision that would also have protected clergy who won't perform gay marriages and people who won't attend wedding for religious reasons, which, of course, is exactly what they've always had. Yeah. Yeah. How is it any fucking different? Yeah, it's not. Churches and affiliated religious groups could have used their faith as an argument for refusing to serve or hire someone, uh, and not just informally and formally as it is now, but legally as well. Really, though, it's not about it's not all about giving churches this freedom. They already have it. It's about slipping it into the government. The bill's opponents slipping it into the government. Mm hmm. Sexy. Through the back door. (laughs) The bill's opponents said it excused discrimination and could trample local ordinances protecting LGBT people. And in typical myopic Southern Christian, they have also failed to see how this would allow for LGBT store owners to deny service yeah. to any hockey-haired, sleeveless, don't tread on me Confederate flag filleting Jethro with the vocabulary of Ralphie, Ralphie Wiggum because gay Jesus. <laughs> yeah, who's gonna who's gonna organize their homes for him now? <laughs> I right. choo choo choose you. <laughs> <laughs> Coca-Cola and other big-name Georgia companies uh, joined the NFL, prominent Hollywood figures and film studios, urging Governor Governor Deal to reject the proposal. Some threatened to boycott the state if Deal didn't veto. Much like his name suggests, the governor is willing to strike a deal and surrender those pesky eternal truths and deeply held beliefs when the dollar signs are on the table. <laughs> governor Deal, in his second and final term, heatedly said that the threats and questions about my, quote, my convictions and my character, uh from some in the religious community are mis- were misguided. 
Quote, I do not respond very well to insults or to threats, uh, he said. The people of Georgia deserve a leader who will make sound or judgments. knowledge, understanding, <laughs> right. compassion. Right. The people of Georgia deserve a leader who will make sound judgments based on solid reasons that are not inflamed by emotion, but rather whether or not we'll keep Mickey Mouse in our state. <laughs> <laughs> Deal said he would sign the he Deal said he would sign the bill had it passed in its original form a completely neutral signing as the original was limited to protecting clergy who declined to perform same sex marriages, which is already what they have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, he said his decision to reject the bill was about the character of our state and the character of our people. Georgia is a welcoming state. It's full of loving, kind and generous people, which prompted neighboring Florida to say, Oh, well, since we're being honest, we have the strictest firearms legislation in the country. Wink, wink. (laughs) Georgia's general assembly already has left the Capitol uh, for the year, adjourning after midnight on Thursday. Lawmakers can ask the governor to convene a special uh, session, but need a three-fifths majority in both House and Senate. If they reach that threshold, overriding the governor's veto requires a two-thirds vote in each chamber. Republicans don't hold that margin in either the House or the Senate, and all Democrats voted against the bill, demonstrating once again that the GOP is little more than a party for the bigoted and afraid. Several Republicans in the House and one in the Senate also cast dissenting votes. It's proving to be difficult to challenge. It's it's proving to be a difficult challenge for Republicans to get what they want and make any real legal regress. Leaders in the House and Senate didn't call for that step on Monday. House Speaker David Ralston went all flip floppity when he said that the that he <laughs> that he when he said that he respected Deal's thoughtful consideration. Uh, but said he doesn't believe the bill permits discrimination. When he said he went all flip floppity, I'm picturing one of those <laughs> yeah. one of those air guys at oh, the car oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, with the arms that just shakes all. Uh, Lieutenant Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle said the bill struck the right balance, similar to Saddam's success in tolerating the Kurds. Then added that the state should actively protect religious belief. He blamed hyperbole and criticism for the raging debate, but failed to mention the education of his state, which flounders somewhere between between Papua New Guinea and 6th century Ethiopia, <laughs> as a likely contributor. <laughs> I've also advocated for Georgia's status as the number one state to do business, but as we move forward, I will never, mm. never lose sight of the importance of an individual's right to practice their faith, Cagle said, without any understanding of how worthless this statement was. However, one Republican state senator, Mike Crane of Noonan, called for a special session to override the veto. Crane is running for con- for a congressional seat among the ranks of the Third Reich. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Josh McCoon, real name, who frequently forgets that there may be other people in the world, sulked, I'm just disappointed. Governor Deal ran for office as someone the faith community could rely on. But after this decision, all we have left is... Everything we had before, but without the shaming of people who are different from us. <laughs> Where is their all-powerful God now? <laughs> I know. Um, and national gay rights organizations immediately hailed Deal's decision. Quote, we thank Governor Deal for doing the right thing, said Matt McTeague, Freedom for All Americans Executive Director. Uh, the governor understands that while... The- that while our freedom of religion is that while freedom of religion is of critical importance, it doesn't mean that there's need for harmful exep- exemptions that could lead to discrimination. Which is exactly what the bill does. That's exactly what it. That's the only it's, thing it's it legalized does. discrimination. That's what all of these bills yeah. do. Mm-hmm. There, it's legalized discrimination and bigotry, which is fucking bullshit. Yeah, 
And I, it's it's a waste of taxpayer resources. It's a ta- It's a waste of everybody's time. All of these all yep. of these rights and privileges already exist for these people, right? Nobody's yeah. nobody's yeah. demanding that the LDS Church or any ecclesiastical leader marry a gay couple. Nobody's or, fucking doing that, or yeah. or even let them into the temple. Yeah, no, nope. it doesn't matter. Or, just, just, I I can't go into a Jewish synagogue or into the Mormon mm-hmm. temple and ask them to marry me. Right. They just won't do it. And that's fine. Nor would you want them to. Right. No. Yeah. Like, why would I want to go to your place to get married? And, and I would, I would have to say that anybody who tried to do anything like that, I would say they're being a dick. Right. They're, they're, they're being a dick just, just to try to drive an ideological point home themselves, which is stupid. Yeah. Like, if somebody wants to believe in, in stupid, ridiculous things, fine. As long as it harms nobody else, fucking do whatever at your house. You bathe yourself, you know, wrap yourself in sackcloth and ashes and smear horse manure all over your fucking self. I don't give a shit, Kevin Swanson. Do whatever the <laughs> fuck you want. But don't force other people to live to your standard of morality or what your superstitious, backward bullshit yeah. theolo- theology teaches. Right. I have a little more on the riffer, other riffer ones if you want to do that a little later. Okay. Uh, or, or whenever. You want to do it now? I don't care. We're, we're... I got another, I got another Trumpy thing. Uh oh. Okay. I thought this was pretty beautiful. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, this was, uh, Anderson Cooper. This was last night. Yeah. Talking to Donald Trump and basically, <laughs> basically telling him that not only does he have the, the hands of a five year old, he has the arguments of one as well. Uh, CNN host Anderson Cooper scolded Donald Trump on Tuesday after the Republican presidential candidate tried to pass the blame for his attacks on Senator Ted Cruz's wife. Quote, after saying you were going to spill the, be- spill the beans about Heidi Cruz, you retweeted an unflattering picture of her next to a picture of your wife, Cooper said in reference to Trump spreading an unflattering picture of Heidi Cruz online set side by side with one depicting Melania Trump more favorably. I yeah. can't fucking well, speak tonight for some reason. Yeah. Well, because I, I watch Almost this. every night, really. I well, mean, let's be honest. I have true. a fucking hard time talking sometimes. Well, we can <laughs> a just, lot of the time. We can play the video and let, just let him say it for himself. Okay. Let's do that. I want to bring it to the audience just a moment. Uh, just the last question before we do. I got to ask you about this back and forth between you and Senator Cruz uh, about wives. Uh, after saying that you were going to spill the beans about Heidi Cruz, you retweeted an unflattering picture of her next to a picture of your wife. I thought it was a nice picture of Heidi. I thought it was fine. Come on. Bullshit. <laughs> well, I you like, know that it was unflattering. I like his never. explanation on why it was flattering. Though. I thought it was fine. I wrote, I wrote here about that, that without pausing from spinning straw into his fine golden hair, Trumpled Stiltskin <laughs> said that he thought the photo of Heidi was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Trumpled Stiltskin, I like it. I thought it was fine. She's a pretty you're, woman. You're running for president of the excuse United me, excuse States. Excuse me. I didn't start it. Oh, but that's, I didn't uh, start it. But sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I didn't start it. He started it. Started? No, it's not the, yeah, no, it's the, the argument. The argument of a five-year-old is excuse he started it. You would it. say that. That's the problem with our country. Every parent that's, knows that's a kid not who a five-year-old. says... He, he just, Donald Trump says you would say that to Anderson yeah. Cooper as a pejorative statement when Donald right. Trump just it's, fucking said that. Yeah. God damn. He started Excuse it. me. No, no, no. That's, that, that's the problem. 
Exactly that thinking is the problem this country has. I did not start this. He sent out a picture, and he knew very well he it was a picture. He didn't send out a picture. A, it was an a picture of a cover story. Anderson. Super PAC It was a out. cover story of a picture taken by Antoine Verglas, one of the great photographers of the world, by the way. My wife was a very, a very, very successful, successful model, model like one of the most. It was a picture <laughs> one of the, most. the cover of GQ, which is a decent, that. which is a very good magazine. This wasn't even, a pro, it wasn't even a pro they were uh, Romney super people. PAC, it was an anti-Trump super PAC. They were PAC. Romney people. Romney is, you know, very embarrassed that he did so badly four years ago. The guy <laughs> choked like a dog. Do he choked like a dog, and he just said that these are Romney people. He didn't tweet out. He didn't tweet out a picture of Romney's wife. No. Well, that's that's just a funny thing. Well, I think it, it might it might come at the end of this. If it doesn't, I'll talk. Romney's about wife it. is a funny thing. No, yeah, that too. <laughs> No, everybody knows he sent it out. He knew the people in the super PAC. He knew that I, I would be willing to bet he wrote the phrase, you know, this is would you like to have this as your first lady? And a lot of people said yes, actually, if you want to know the truth. But but she was a, a magnificent model. She took a picture with one of the great photographers of the world. They put it on GQ. All of a sudden, we see this picture going all over to Utah just before the election. And by all the way, all over to Utah, all over to Utah, like we're some third world country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember seeing it all over Utah. Yeah. Well, it got all over to I, Utah. I remember, I remember seeing it on the internet. I mean, it might have made it to Utah, but I remember on the internet. The internet's kind of worldwide. Mm, yeah. Kind of. Donald wouldn't know that. <laughs> when he said, we had a big day, we won Utah. Excuse me. I won Arizona with far more delegates. And as you probably saw 25 minutes ago, so maybe you didn't see it, <laughs> uh, the vote was just counted in Missouri, and I won Missouri too. Hmm. Yeah, but when they got towards the end of that whole thing, he, uh, Anderson Cooper is going to Donald like, hey, stop retwe- retweeting stuff if you don't agree with it. And Donald's like, yeah, it's probably it's probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's probably Anderson's a good idea that I, that I not do that. Yeah. Then Anderson's like, just take that advice. He goes, yeah, you're, you're probably right. I'm probably wrong doing that. I'm prob- <laughs> prob- probably wrong to do that. Here's, here's how I summed up the entire conversation. Anytime you think I'm not doing well, it's somebody else's fault. I'm doing really well. I only do the best well, okay? So nanny, nanny, boo-boo. <laughs> and I don't argue like a five-year-old. La, 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 exactly. Yeah, fuck that guy. All right, what else do you? What else did you have on the... All the riffras? Yes. Yes. It's a little bit longer. Okay. A few more of those. Okay. Okay. The ideological rifts breaking apart the Republican Party have moved into the states where business leaders and evangelicals who have long coexisted in the GOP are suddenly at war over social issues such as gay rights and religious freedom, both of which, by the way, are settled legal issues. They're seriously fighting about which made up Fox News talking points they prefer. The escalating feud has been evident in recent days in Georgia and North Carolina, where Republican governors have taken opposite approaches to dealing with these two vocal constituencies. Uh, of course, we know about Nathan Deal, who faced pressure from the corp- corporate heavyweights such as Delta and Disney, uh, and vetoed the bill. Um, and the decision for Deal, who is who is not running for re-election, has drawn fire from leading evangelical activists and the People's Front of Judea, who have accused him of being a traitor <laughs> to, to the cause of legalizing Splinter. their unbridled hatred. <laughs> North Carolina's Pat McCrory, meanwhile, who is up for re-election in November, is facing criticism from corporate interests, but isn't phased, saying, Our state has never had more than $12 in it at one time, and we don't need to start now. (laughs) He received praise from social conservatives, the KKK, and those who disavow the KKK while aligning exactly with all of their views. 
following his decision to sign the bill enacting broad limits to prevent municipalities from creating new LGBT protections, despite claiming to be a constitutionalist without ever having read beyond the first half of the Second Amendment. Uh, the legislative battles which have played out in state capitals across the country underscore the unusual level of disarray in the party that traditionally strives for order. Rather than unifying around a message of bigotry and strategy written in crayon to win back the White House and retain congressional majorities, the GOP is largely collapsing amid factional and fictional warfare. There's, seeming, there's seemingly no issue where Republicans agree, a tactic learned every Sunday in their churches has now spilled into politics, <laughs> with bitter disputes raging over, uh, quote, we profit they don't, as we call it, trade, uh, bomb, invade, and kill their children, for us, is foreign policy for them, eliminate all the social health programs used most heavily by the Republican base, mm-hmm. meant to help the poor, feed the hungry, and house the homeless, or as they call it, the entitlements, takers <laughs> and of course the evangelicals use that famous quote from jesus himself to justify their positions from second hypocrisy 316 which reads <laughs> gather gather ye your families and follow me travel atop your high horse to your ivory tower and remember to always honor the dealings of the money changers <laughs> and the power therein for they will inherit the earth judgely harshly therefore the poor for they are the lazy and deserving of scorn give unto them not for such is the way to hell Remember ye always to disavow the help in which ye have received, and glory only in your own riches, and also in the power you exert, uh, exert over the meek. I am the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't remember that Bible verse. <laughs> oh, it's it's in that one prophet. Was that see, was that one of the things dang. that wasn't that didn't actually become canon? <laughs> well, it got yes. put in the canon. Shot at them. <laughs> and as always, the battle over social issues, bigotry, racism, and misogyny should be legal. Uh, the focal point of the struggle is the GOP's presidential frontrunner, Donald Trump, the populist billionaire who has amassed a wide, delicate lead despite opposition from all corners of the party establishment and a string of policy views that run counter to GOP orthodoxy. But his third grade speaking level appeals to a huge portion of the base uh, that the GOP has been energizing for decades with the same rhetoric. Trump's rise has muddied the ideological waters for the camps that have long made up the bulk of the GOP coalition. The three-legged stool built by King God Emperor Reagan in the (laughs) 1980s consisted of fiscal conservatives, national security hawks, and social conservatives. He has railed against free trade deals backed by big business and blasted an interventionist foreign policy embraced by GOP hawks. Notice that evangelicals were not part of Reagan's stool, by the way. Um, but the state-level battles between businesses and evangelicals demonstrate that the Republican Party's troubles go beyond the, co- the concerns over Trump, pointing to a potentially irreconcilable div- divide between core elements of the GOP base. Each side remains influential. Um, evangelical leaders can mobilize large numbers of activists and voters in key states and congressional district- districts, however illegal this may be. Corporations, meanwhile, operating in a post-Citizens United world of unlimited political spending, have the ability to put enormous pressure on policymakers, however unethical this may be. America is now the front lines of two massively wealthy entities enjoying illegal and unethical federal rights and funds doing battle while the citizens who are meant to have a voice are relegated to the sidelines. You're talking about two portions of the Republican Party who don't fundamentally understand one another or anything else or anyone else. That's the bad news, said Greg Keller, the former executive director of the American Conservative Union. The worst news is that they think that they do. What that leads to is further misunderstanding on top of disagreement. 
the anger among evangelicals was especially raw this week after Nathan Deal's veto. Quote, the devil has gone down to Georgia again, but this time it was in the form of big business and cowardly politicians, said Tony Perkins, president of the Evangelical Family Research Council. Ah, he, also nice mentioned, folks. Yeah, he also mentioned that Hitler had some good ideas and some of my best friends are black. <laughs> <laughs> the, state find, the state fights gained momentum in response to deep anger among social conservatives over the Supreme Court's decision last June to legalize gay marriage nationwide despite the fact that it's a settled issue. But given the history of refusal to accept facts among evangelicals who still refuse to believe Jesus actually died some 2,000 years ago, activists began pushing measures they describe as promoting religious liberty aimed at protecting people such as wedding cake bakers or photographers who object to same-sex marriage from being legally compelled to participate in ceremonies. But these protections are, off are often written broadly, with critics arguing that they allow discrimination against the LGBT community. And in other ways, such as in employment and providing charitable services. You know, all the stuff the Bible says. No charity. The focus on gay marriage ran counter to recommendations in a post-2012 election autopsy report <laughs> published by the Republican National Committee. The report urged the party to move away from social issues as a way to expand the GOP's reach beyond core conservatives. But... The RNC has found that decades of feeding uneducated backward ma backward masses hate-filled messages, they can be difficult to change with only one single weak attempt. Many Republican elites, including executives at big companies, feel like gay marriage is settled law and do not think special measures are needed to protect religious conservatives because it didn't affect religion in any way at all anyways. <laughs> Generally, in the past, big business wanted to keep out of social issues, said David Boaz, longtime leader of the Libertarian Cato Institute, with, without realizing that religion also used to keep its dirty mitts out of politics. Yeah. The corporate world has moved more to the cultural left. The religious right is feeling more and more embattled, isolated, and that makes them even angrier about things like this veto in Georgia. When asked about the leftward shift of U.S. companies and the modern world at large, RNC Chair Reince Priebus simply said, It's definitely not because we're wrong. I think it's clear that most of the world is wrong, not us. But some of the world still agrees with us, like Saudi Arabia and Uganda. Russia. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't say that. I said. Oh. I was gonna say. I, I. I. don't. I wouldn't second guess necessarily that that was an actual quote from yeah. Reince Priebus. Not good satire. Reince Pubis. <laughs> Reince Pubis. Uh, corporate leaders have found success on a number of fronts. Early, uh, exactly one year ago, Indiana Governor Mike Pence signed into law a controversial religious freedom bill. Part of that controversy being the name, uh, but under pressure from businesses and the NCAA, uh, which was holding the Final Four. Last year in Indianapolis, he pushed the legislature to later pass an amendment in order to clarify that businesses and service providers could not use the legislation as a justification to discriminate based on the client's sexual orientation. Just the churches could because, you know, that's historical or whatever. Yeah. We're, um, we're in keeping with tradition. Mm -hmm. In Arizona, Governor Jan Brewer vetoed a religious liberty bill in 2014 under pressure from the business community. Her move angered social, social conservatives. Uh, but it ensured that the state could continue to host last year's Super Bowl and thus downgraded the oft-cited sincerely held to something we like when we when there aren't any specific conflicts beliefs. Yeah, as long as it doesn't affect our pocketbook. Yeah. Right. Um, Ralph Reed, the chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, argued that there does not need to be an in, an inherent conflict between faith, the faith community and the business community. 
If the business community would just submit to our every demand, we'd get along very well, I imagine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as long as we don't have to argue about anything because they just roll over and give us everything we want. Right. Uh, the the new the new North Carolina law showed how in some places evangelicals have found a way to win at least in the short term. Uh, the law was passed quickly during the special legislative session, reversing civil rights. The goal is reversing civil rights. I just want to emphasize yeah. that, um, and removing protections for gays, gay and transgender people that had been enacted in the city of Charlotte. The measure made North Carolina the first state to require transgender individuals to use the restroom that corresponds to the gender on their birth certificate. But the language language also included uh, broad limits on the local anti-discrimination ordinances. In a classic Republican display of their prowess, in short-sightedness, they've ensured that a trans man will be in the restroom with their daughters at some point. The, the new law has drawn out uh, loud protests from the business community and editorial pages. Um, the National Basketball Association has threatened to move next year's All-Star Game scheduled to take place in Charlotte. Uh, we can't bow down to economic threats that risk the protection of our citizens and go against common sense and morality, said Reverend Franklin Graham. And before you criticize me for not protecting the LGBT community, you should know that I'm just pretending they aren't citizens so I can say stupid things like this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd have to really pretend anything yeah, else. Yeah. He, he says stupid shit like that all the time, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina State Attorney General Roy Cooper, a Democrat vying to unseat now sitting Governor Pat McCrory on Tuesday, called the law a national embarrassment and said he would not defend it in court. McCrory replied, I've been doing this much longer than Mr. Roy Cooper. It's silly that he thinks being a national embarrassment is anything new to me. (laughs) (laughs) The feuding will likely unfold in additional states over the coming weeks and months. Uh, Mississippi has legislation already that they could vote on uh, early this week called the First Amendment Defense Act, which is aimed at undercutting same-sex marriage. Missouri's legislature will likely vote soon to put a religious freedom measure on the ballot later this year, either in the general election or special election. Um, The Republicans are trying to craft something that will not draw the ire of the business lobby, but Missouri's legislature has admitted to not trying too hard at that since they're attempting to do exactly the thing that draws corporate ire. Um, yeah, Greg Keller, the Missouri based GOP operative, uh, who was tasked with outreach to conservative activists on Wisconsin governor, Scott Walker's presidential campaign last year said that the business wing should recognize that religious conservatives will not go away more and more. We're hearing the extreme wing use the phrase conservative rather than Republican. The reason is that the parties shift over time and Republicans like uh, Republicans like to talk about Abraham Lincoln, who was, of course, a liberal Republican. Re- uh, refusal to use the word Republican is a complete surrender of claiming Lincoln as the most recent example of any good Republican policy. Now the conservatives are left with, well, all of this religious protection and freedom for families and bald eagles, restoration, preservation, right to bigotry. Oops, liberty. Li- I, I said liberty, right? <laughs> Bills we're seeing now. <laughs> One of the largest cultural imperatives that helped lead to the rise of Christianity was the view of the sexually of the sexually um, uh, licentious nature of the Roman Empire. He said, this is not a bug of evangelical Christianity. This is a feature. This is a hill on which evangelical Christians are are going to be willing to die, he said, apparently borrowing from Glenn Beck's new book, How to Talk Tough When the Stakes Are at Their Lowest, your (laughs) your how-to guide for feeling macho in the absence of any threat. Fucking coward. 
<laughs> and so the the fight for treating humans with humanity continues, but please, evangelicals, tell me more about how only Christians have good morals and that atheists are wrong about the Bible because it's full of love, kindness, and acceptance. Yeah, that's the only thing in the Bible, really. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's all that's in there. So... That fish. So what we're seeing... And lots of fish. Yeah, so what we're seeing through all, all of this bullshit is the result of the right wing's work to dumb down American citizens. We live in a country where being viewed as an intellectual elite is seen as a bad thing. Yeah. Right. That's fucking yeah. they, and hatred of science. That yeah, they've 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 been anti science, anti learning, anti intellectualism for so fucking long, and then they wonder how Donald Trump is leading their party. Right. They yeah. built this monster. Good they point. created yeah. it from the ground up. Mm -hmm. They have dumbed down and made and made intelligence a bad fucking thing. Trump and then they wonder why these things happen in their party. Yeah. You created it. You need to fucking handle it. The yeah. Republican Party is dismantling itself because they are they are in opposition to everything good and progressive that that would lead this country to better things, right? They they fucking shut down marriage equality for people. They want to restrict civil rights. They want to allow business people to discriminate against whoever the fuck they want while enjoying all of the same benefits as everybody else who runs their business according to the Civil Rights Act. Yeah. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's bullshit. Trumpenstein monster. Makes me angry. Well. There's a lot of things about the Republican Party that make me angry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lindsey Graham, though, is kind of funny. Have you seen, have you seen any uh, interviews with him recently? I have he's, not he's been, been paying attention to him. He's been a little him. bit. Uh, he's got jokes. Yeah. <laughs> he's got jokes. He's He's funny, but it still bothers me that he can't see past his nose as far as how Trump came to be. Yeah. You're a big fucking part of the problem, Lindsey Graham. Mm-hmm. You got anything else? Or are we calling it? I th I think we're we're over the two hours. Yeah, I was just gonna say real quick. It's interesting. Have you seen this about Marco Rubio? What he that fucked a lot of women. He's trying, oh, no, he's, he's trying gay. to keep all of his delegates. Is he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to surrender them. He wants to keep those so they can't go to Trump. Yeah. Is he hoping that once they get to the convention, and hopefully it's an open convention as far as he's concerned, and me, I think it'd be interesting, yeah. fun, and exciting. Is he hoping that once they get to the open convention, he'll emerge as the ultimate winner? I don't know, but I mean, it, I mean that may fulfill a, my prophecy that I made. Yeah, right? it's true. <laughs> it's a it's a possibility that he could be, and that may be his motivation. But yeah, I mean, right now he's just going on like, well, I suspended my campaign. I didn't I didn't end it officially, so yeah. you can't give my delegates away. True. I wonder where Carson's delegates are going. Because Carson oh, has endorsed Trump, right? Carson is now endorsed yep. Trump. So. Just like mm -hmm. Christy. And Fiorina. Yeah. I think she won a – did she? No, I don't think they were into I, the delegate well, voting process, were they? Kathy. I don't think she got I don't, any Yeah, anyways. I don't think they were into – I don't no. think they were into any of the no. caucuses or primaries. No, they're all just doing their, their power play now to try to go with who they think will be most likely elected mm -hmm. so they can get a position. Well, you guys saw that Hillary Clinton is – Thus far, refusing to schedule a debate against Bernie Sanders yeah. in the yeah. New York primaries, right? Um, that seems it's, pretty it's her, chicken shit. It's her excuse yeah. I don't like. What's her excuse? Yeah, because of his tone. Because his one? tone. I don't, oh, like, I don't like his yeah. tone. If he tones it down, That's then right. I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, I can't be... I did post about it. Can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine the kind of backlash that would happen if, if the roles were reversed yeah. and Bernie was in yeah. the lead and oh, it yeah. said, oh, well... I'll offer to debate, but only if she adjusts yeah. her tone. Her attitude. Yeah. Because I can't be hypocritical of them when I said the same thing about the Republican Party. 
or said, if they don't want to do another debate that's not on the list, I don't blame them. But when the, your reason for not wanting to do one isn't, hey, we agreed to these originally, I'm not agreeing to do any more. If that was your thing, okay, yeah, you agreed to X number of debates, you did X number of debates, okay. I understand that. Still wouldn't, say, mean that it still wouldn't mean that not agreeing to do one wouldn't pay you as a coward. But not agreeing to do one on the terms of, I don't like the way he's talking to me. That's childish. He's being mean. Mm. That is and fucking not, childish. I, I still have yet to see anywhere where he's said anything untrue about her. Right. No. I mean, if if speaking about her past record is being mean, maybe she shouldn't have that fucking record. And well, that's, and that's if, the way it's attack not like he's calling go. names either. No. You know, he's yeah. not like, it's just, that, you know, and so- you're, you know, I'll stick to my original position too, which is I think, hey, the Oval Office is going to be a hell of a lot more difficult than this. So this is your proving ground and you can't handle a couple of things from a guy who's basically on your side. How is she going to handle shit from Donald Trump? Yeah. I or, mean, moving or, for, or anybody who would emerge from the Republican fucking convention as their as their delegate, right? Yeah, or, or as their as their presidential nominee. Yeah. Or the leaders in the Middle East. Yeah. If she can't handle Bernie Sanders, right, that's, or Putin, that's that's. I think she's scared. Pretty right now. sad. Well, she's she's sad of him eating away at more of her lead for sure. And I don't know why she won't debate him on her home turf. Well, it's it's the same thing as as the religious argument, right? If you have the truth, then it shouldn't fucking bother you. Yeah. Should mm-hmm. you should be. If she wasn't afraid of his message it. and her past record, she should be wanting to debate him at each and every opportunity that she had. Mm-hmm. Right? If the truth was on her side, if if her record was great, then she shouldn't have any fucking problem debating him anytime, yeah. anywhere. But she's clearly terrified of doing so. So I think that speaks volumes in and of itself. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, let's call it a night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sleepy. This was our 99th episode. 99. Yeah. Next week will be numero 100. Matt has been going through a bunch of our old episodes, prepping some clips and everything. Uh, we listened to a teaser of it before we started recording tonight. And by the end of it, I had tears in my eyes <laughs> and I had a headache from laughing. So I hope you all enjoy what he's been putting together and and working on for the last couple of weeks. It's a fond trip down memory lane. That's pretty funny, mm-hmm. and and it's interesting too to hear the the difference in sound and yeah. audio quality. Well, and also different points that we were coming up with or or thinking up as we're going along that we throw out routinely now. Yeah, or the like, fact oh, that we're I've just... always just shit words out of my mouth. <laughs> well, yeah, that's never changed. <laughs> yeah, that's why we love you, Ryan. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. Thank you very much to Vicki Getman, Scott yep. Smith, and Rebecca McGraw for joining us and talking about the great work that they're doing out at Lackland Air Force Base. Air Force Base. <laughs> That's – I don't know what the fuck is wrong with know. me, man. Uh, in the atheist and humanist services out there, thank you again to Taylor Grin for pointing them – or pointing me in their direction and, and for suggesting having them on the show. Congratulations to Vicky for her award from the American Humanist Association. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash godless revolution. Let us know if you have any questions, anything that you uh, really love about the show, anything we got wrong, anything you fucking hate about the show. Those are always fun too. <laughs> we, we went over one of those last week. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you can Twitter our twatter. At TGR Podcast. Mm-hmm. Call and leave us a voicemail or send us a text message at 330-81-REBEL. 
we should probably re-record the little greeting that people get when they're out there. I just, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't have the tech savvy for the mixing board when yeah. I put that together and just was like playing it through my phone on a speaker in front of the computer. So it sounds like shit. What I'm saying, people, <laughs> is that when you call the fucking phone number and it said, when you call the 33081 rebel, the message that you're given when you call it sounds like shit. Sounds like ass. It sounds like a bunch of crackly farts, basically, in with some semblance of human speech. So go out there and give it a listen. Leave us a message or send us a text. Uh, you can also send us an email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com. Let us know if there's anything you would like to like us to address in the future. Uh, any particular favorite points of any show that you've had in the past? Oh, I should I should mention, too, that not that I would suggest you do it. <laughs> Because our early episodes were, I think they had a lot of good content. We we had we had a lot of fun. We, we were learning, but the yeah we were learning, and the sound quality wasn't fantastic. So I've been going through some of our back episodes and trying to improve the sound quality. Some of it, some of the sound quality initially wasn't such that I can make it fantastic, yeah. but it's a lot better than it was when when initially posted. So I've gone through the first twenty episodes of the show and have reposted those. Uh, I will be working through the remaining episodes going forward and, and, and reposting those as well. Uh, we're doing this in preparation to get the show posted out on YouTube as well. So, uh, in an effort to reach a, a wider audience, I know a lot of people at work can't access different, mm-hmm. uh, podcasting sites or the, you know, their, their work, uh, filters, uh, disallow viewing different websites but youtube is allowed in a lot of different places and i know a lot of people use youtube for all kinds of things now if it's even just listening to music so uh we'll be putting our podcast out there sometime in the near future as well so watch for that that's why we're going back and cleaning up some of this stuff and i'm reposting it out on our podbean site as well so thanks for tuning in everybody Mm-hmm. Thank you, Matt and Ryan, for joining me in the basement here once again. Thank you, Dan. You're welcome. For coming over and enjoying <laughs> some tasty pizza with me. Oh, yeah. And and letting me rant. And cuddle with the puppy. And Yes, the puppy. <laughs> He's not been feeling very well. i got to take him into the bed tomorrow. Uh, I think he may have kennel cough. But... He's still fucking adorable. (laughs) Shit vomit and all. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we will chat at y'all next week. Later. Bye.
and I'll turn around. And I'll move my fingers up and down, up and down. It's okay, amigo. Just let me go. Riding in on the rodeo. Let me free. 